Hello, Chomp Nation, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. It's a podcast where if you listen long enough, you will see critics all around you proffering opinions on gaming, movies, music, politics, religion, and the proper way to fold underwear. You will groan as you are inundated with passionate thoughts from random people, and you begin to think that most people are dumb. You call your friend and tell them that you should start a podcast because your opinions are better than most. Your opinions start to blend with the other opinions, and you suddenly fade into the sea of opinions. We have a very exciting episode this week as we are going to be discussing how critiquing games on a podcast for years of our lives has affected our enjoyment of gaming. We wanted to give you all a little window of what our minds look like, if we're jaded, encouraged, or somewhere in between. We also have some listener comments, and I frame the question a little bit differently to the listeners so they can participate as well. We also will be discussing the games that we've been playing this week. Not many, unfortunately, we've been busy, but the games we will be discussing are Into the Pit, Beast Breaker, and Resident Evil 4 VR. Last, we will be discussing the Patreon question of the week and the social media polls, such as playing spooky games in October, Epic giving money away, the Minecraft update, Nintendo's new online service plan, Forza, and the proper pronunciation, apps emulating pay-to-win elements from gaming, Solar Ash being delayed, no, and a personal question involving writing articles for the site. Let's get into some intros. Today, I am joined by the man who no longer sleeps, except when asked to take out the trash by his roommates. Coincidentally, he is sometimes asked to take out the metaphorical trash when he judges certain games. The editor himself calling in from New York, it's Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing today, buddy? Um, I hate video games. I too oh, have we, opinions. We're not getting right into it? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, it's okay. Save that for a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, I'm all right, I guess. I'm really tired. I'm always tired. No, I feel you on that, though. Like, as we were kind of discussing privately this week, um, I was hit by seasonal affective disorder, and I didn't really notice it until you had mentioned something. So I think it's getting to be about that time of year where... The nights get longer, the days get shorter. It happens. That does happen. Um, I like the night. I just prefer to have the energy for it, which I never do. Um, because there's all this stuff going on in the daytime, and it's pretty stupid, if you ask me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like. I think about it, and I, I hate to pontificate and. Uh, you know, just be verbose here, but man, my twenties, I didn't realize how many more responsibilities I would take on as I get older. And then like my days, even if they're longer in terms of the sunlight, they just seem shorter because more and more responsibilities are coming my way. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Just wait. Got a few more years, buddy. But the good news is you did play some video games this week. 
And I you do. are actually excited to talk about them. Um, yeah, I also played a lot of some old video games for a, a different podcast you might have heard of. Did you uh, did? Whew. You did, Th- but those were th- fun. But I'm pressing a lot of time into that. There will be yeah, and I'm excited to talk about that later with you because yeah, I think it'll be kind of fun to get a little behind the scenes of what you've been working on this past week. I know you've been really busy, so it'll be a good way to hype up what you're doing next. Surely, yeah. Well, good to have you here, buddy. Uh, next. I am also joined by another man who continues to dig to the center of the earth because he is convinced that there is a secret race of people who can judge good games from bad distinctly. Never one to pass up a drink with a fellow intellectual. It's Josh Fowler in the building. Josh, how you doing, man? All right. All right. The, 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 all the trash talk earlier. Yeah. Um. Made me realize that I needed to uh, actually bring the trash back in from the road, because uh, yeah, it's been it's uh, it's been out there all day, and also the trash guys like to leave it out in the road. Mm. And uh, now that it's nighttime, after they've done that, I've got a distinct impression that one of my trash cans is going to get run over during the show tonight, um, by by somebody coming home from the bar on a Friday night, um. So you're saying it turns out the nighttime is not the right time for trash when it comes cans. to garbage. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a predicament. I mean, stink up the house or your garbage can just gets decimated mm. and strewn across the street. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But what about the metaphorical trash, Josh? Um, Do you ever get tired of taking that out? That's fucked up. I mean, yeah. Some someone's yeah. got to do it, though, right? Someone someone's got to do it, but yeah, it's a uh, it is a job. Yeah, heavy lies the crown, as they say. Mm. The trash crown? I got nothing. I got nothing there. But heavy <laughs> is the head that eats the crayons. Mm. <laughs> nom 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 nom. Purple Mountain Majesty never tasted so good. Nom, 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 nom. Which, what a that, bullshit that was, color. That was the most memorable one for me in the box. Like the 64 color. Well, maybe it would have been 108 at that point. But like the two colors that always stuck out to me were Purple Mountain Majesty, which was kind of a, like a lighter purple than mm. the just purple crayon. And then Macaroni and Cheese, which was a, mm. as you would imagine, a yellowish orange. Or an orangish yellow. I got lost in a Crayola factory once. Mm. And now you can't hear that... colors. <laughs> it's true. But you can um, see them if you are... I got in trouble for stealing fizzy lifting drinks. Mm. And then Mr. Wonka asked me and my grandfather to leave. Josh is holding up something very phallic it's, on it's the camera. It's a penis. Is that a penis? <laughs> <laughs> it's a clay penis. What is that? Hmm? What? Dude, that looks uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to translate Josh really well up. on this audio All right, podcast. For those of you who can't see, obviously, uh, Josh on his webcam at the top left of his screen was holding up a very blurry, grayish looking penis thing. And it's actually really small, but 
how close up he's holding it. Looks massive. And then he looked, he looked to it on the other side of the screen in horror. And uh, yeah. Camera tricks. I've never seen that on, look from on, you, an, on an audio po- format podcast. It's great content. Yeah. yeah. But really, what is that? I, I, I'm it's, curious. Uh, it's a kneaded eraser that... Uh, I had too many things here to fiddle with that were just uh, loud on a podcast, so I've just got a so needed you... eraser to uh, So to instead of fiddling myself. with your own penis, you're fiddling with an eraser penis. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't a penis until I got a hold of it. <laughs> the things the mind does when it's bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Uh... <laughs> I'm glad you're here, Josh. Uh... Eraser penis and all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm Shay calling in from Japan. Um, I don't have a humorous intro for myself. I think that's a little weird. But this week has been insanely busy, insanely tiring. I didn't play a single video game this week. Mm. God, um, you suck. The thing Sounds I Sounds nice, say, doesn't it? Uh, actually, it's kind of kind of a nice break. No, I, I was... Uh, the most frustrating thing I would say for me this week was... As these two know, I was report recording a podcast episode for something um, last night. Had a great guest. We we're having this amazing conversation, and then Zoom suddenly stops detecting my microphone. Go to fix it. Zoom stops working, and by the time I reset my computer and got it all working, the guest had to leave unfortunately because mm. um, they had a family to attend to. And so we've rescheduled the hitman, uh, huh? That's that's the joke I was gonna make. That family in the room was still alive, so they had to go. Yeah, they had to dispense before the uh, rope became too loose. But no, I, I've never had that happen to me before, and I was really frustrated by it. Um, five years of podcasting. That was one of the biggest technical hiccups I've ever had. I mean, I've had mm. moments where my computer has detected the wrong microphone or. You know, when Rich and I guessed it on another podcast and my computer kind of combusted because Discord is so resource intensive, but... You really made a... me look like a piece of shit. Well, I mean, ha- <laughs> you stayed, but no, yeah, I I, yeah it's, it's high time for a new computer. Mm. Maybe it was me that was making us look shitty, like when you couldn't get I was like, honestly, fuck that dude anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of saying fucking dudes, um, wait, that didn't come out right. Uh, we're gonna, <laughs> we're as long gonna as it goes in right. Uh, speaking of fucking dudes, uh, let's get to the topic of the show, which is not coincidentally about fucking dudes. It's more about saying fuck you to dudes or mm. conglomerates of dudes, rather. Dude, anyway, so my car? let's get let's get into the topic of the show. So, I mean. Granted, Josh, you and I have been doing this whole podcasting thing, I think, a little bit longer than Rich. Not much longer, but a little. Well, no. This podcast, yes. But, you know, Josh and I, we talked about it heaps of times on the show. We had, a, we had another podcast years ago with um, some former podcast mates of this show and um, another host who um, no longer does video games or podcasting anymore. But we, we've been doing it for years now. It's something that Josh and I just can't escape, talking about video games and just pretending like our opinions really matter for anything. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, five years into this show, uh, over 10 years in general of doing podcasting and gaming. I was going to say, it's... I've been doing this in some form for at least 10 years. Yeah, well, let, let us know when you get to 12. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I'll be dead by then. Whoa. <laughs> no, you will not be. Foreshadowing. I will not, I will not allow that to happen. Listen, me and that guy under the bridge had a deal. I make no qualms about it. Hmm. Under a bridge? I thought you yeah. usually made those sort of deals at the crossroads. Hey, it's, that's true. You, you know, you got, we got a lot more bridges Dude. here. It's, it's, mm. it's, more of a bridge in, it's more of a bridge and tunnel deal sort of place. Okay. Dean? Sam! Rich. Rich! Dean! Okay, anyways, uh, off that. Uh, so, yeah, we've been doing this for a really long time, and I definitely have noticed a change, and it's kind of crazy because um, a, a, another behind-the-scenes thing is this week I've just been going through all of our Game of the Year shows again to basically bring all our categories into one file, all of our winners into one file. I'm going to do some uh, interesting, fun posts with that later in the coming weeks. And it's also going to kind of help us determine the categories we want to do this year for the Game of the Year show. And even that, just like listening back to being like bright and cheery when we first started, and not to say we're not bright and cheery, but just to hear... We're still cheery. Just in different ways. Just not bright. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) Because I didn't even think to make that segue there. But no, um, or that connection there. I I definitely have seen things change over the years with podcasting and just talking about this for as long as we have. So I think it's kind of interesting to kind of open that window and be completely honest about it. So... Josh, I'm actually going to throw this to you first. How has talking about gaming and just critiquing games over the past 12 years, quote unquote, officially changed your opinion of gaming positively? How has that positively influenced? Oh, this will be short. You look at it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember if I've mentioned this at any point on the show before or not, but... um. I I definitely pick up more games that I'm only a little interested in than I used to. Um just kind of on the off chance that it turns out to be something that I really like. Um just cuz I can justify it to myself as, "Oh, I I do a podcast. This is uh this is not me making an impulse buy and you know, <laughs> spending tons of money on a thing that I probably will play for a couple hours and, and then end up not playing anymore. Yeah. Um, it allows it's a, it's, to further it's the a illusion. business, uh, you know, expense. I'm a businessman. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, not great for the checkbook, but it is great for occasionally finding games that are just unexpectedly Good for the Sega great. Genesis if you're writing checks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I, sorry, sorry, I kept, interjecting my shitty humor in there but no i mean like i've definitely seen i mean you've always kind of been the indie guy and you look for the kind of hidden gems and it's kind of crazy to think about that because even listening back to um our earlier game of the year shows it's it was clearly evident 
that you you kind of always been that guy that kind of just looks for for things that aren't necessarily on everybody's radar and i think that's i think that's a cool way to game i one of the um funny and interesting things i don't know if you'll remember this do you remember your favorite narrative in 2017 you had a tie on this one. Oh, 2017. Goodness, I can't keep Honey my ears Pop apart. Two. 2017. I'll tell you one of them. Maybe that'll cue you into onto the lesser known I'm one. I'm trying to think which You had a tie between which? What Remains of Edith Finch and One Other Games. One Other Game. Starts with a G. G. Go. Go fund me. Gora. Oh, Gora, Gora Goa. Goa. Yeah, 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 yeah. For some reason, I was thinking that was the year that, uh, um, you don't even. I, I may be right, but this could have been third. I was thinking that was the year that, um, um, Hellblade came out. That that is the same year, twenty seven. It is the same year. Okay, I was thinking that was on the list as well, but that was probably on my close runners up. It was. It uh, was. You had mentioned that. Okay. But the the point of me bringing that up is simply to say like. You've been interested in kind of the indie or smaller games for a while now. Um, I mean, people can just go back and listen to the first beginnings of the show and hear you say, there are so many good games out and I played like 72 games this year. And um, I, I think I've finally hit the point where I played 72 games during the duration of this podcast, <laughs> let alone a year. And um, But no, I think that's kind of cool. I mean, for a lot of people who are more open-minded or are necessarily looking to stick to just strictly triple a experiences that you kind of provide that and that's something that you've always provided and it's certainly helped me you've helped me discover some of my more well-liked games over the years as well yeah yeah i i mean i like i always tried to play smaller games just because i feel like they're more unique than a lot of the big stuff but like intentionally going out and finding him myself is I think kind of what has changed more um, than just being like, like, Oh, this indie game's getting a lot of buzz. I'll, I'll try that out. Cause I, I definitely did a whole lot more of that early on. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Knowing kinda, you, you've I, been a lot more active in that pro in that approach. Yeah. 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 I like even listening back to the 2018 show when we were talking about my memory of us, you had mentioned, I would have probably missed this game had Shay not mentioned it and that was only mm-hmm. because i had happened upon it through tokyo game show but now yeah. it's like i can never tell josh about a game because <laughs> he already knows about it at this point most of so. the time i mean like that's that's not a that's not a rule um because there's there's just there's so many games coming out that i'm i am going to miss some um yeah i mean but nobody's infallible mm-hmm. are there any other positives that you've seen um through doing this um that you can think of besides you know you being more active in your approach to seek out games that you might possibly like and then actually trying them hmm i mean besides the obvious that you get to podcast with this handsome face every week is there anything else yeah i don't know i'm I'm trying to think if i I don't know if it's a, excuse me, um, 
I don't. Anyway, um, <laughs> are, are you? You're you're just revel, you're realizing how handsome my face really is, and no, I'm I'm um, trying to think of like whether I analyze games more than I used to, as far as like you know, like what are these you know the iconography going on? Like, is, is this is this symbolism or is it just you know an aesthetic choice sort of thing? Like, I I I feel like I look at that more, but I don't know if I don't I don't know if that's a podcasting thing like or you know like because we review them or if that's just because I've played so many more of them which I which I guess is a played. you know so not the podcasting in particular but definitely a side effect of that just cuz I've played so much more it's it's one of those things that like I think this is I think this is all media gaming or 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 you know writing movies music what whatever else um just as you become more familiar with it, you start to notice a whole lot more of the the the, the construction of it. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's something that all three of us could speak to here, and I think that's a really good point. Is through the years playing game after game after game, I could say we could all say these boilerplate things, which sometimes we do. The music is phenomenal. The visuals are stunning. The combat is fluid. Um, the movement is you know, fluid as well, like things like that. We can say things like that. And we should, because sometimes, and it's not necessarily bad, boilerplate probably implies something more negative than I mean it as. Sometimes those simple ways of describing it are enough for certain people. And I think doing this over the years, like you're saying, has caused us to start think about this in terms of what unique way can I describe this? What is the unique hook of this that I can say, hey, this is actually a really fun game. Let me tell you why. What sets this apart? Or if mm. it doesn't set it apart, what does it do better than most other games? And it causes you to think about framing these experiences that you've enjoyed in a positive way that either is uniquely described or you're showing the strengths that outweigh um, the weaknesses or the strengths that are stronger than what other games are currently doing. And I think that causes us to be better critics. I'm not going to say we are better critics um, because, I mean, that's subjective. But I think me personally, and I know you, you well, Josh, know better than we were, at least. Yes, if nothing exactly else. what I'm going to yeah. say. We've gotten better than I like to think I've gotten we've not, get, we've not lapped. We've not gotten better than anyone else at any point. But we've, <laughs> we're better than we started. Yes. Yeah. Li- listening back to those <laughs> old shows and listening to me describe some experiences was very painful, to be honest with you. And I, I was like, uh, listening to myself describe music in a game. Oh, it's just, it's so beautiful. And uh, I, I just loved it. And like, that's my way of describing it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, I, granted, I'm not much better at it, but I am definitely better that I think than I was. And yeah. I think that's, that's such a cool and market improvement to see within all of us. I'm rich. I think even you, um, granted you've only been here for almost two years now here on this podcast. I mean, like you said, you've been doing some form of content writing or podcasting for years when it comes to gaming. But I definitely think that even to some level you've improved on, you know, maybe being more succinct when you need to be or describing things in a more unique way. I think you've definitely gotten better as well. Um, yeah, I've, I've, all that stuff comes with time. I think no matter even where you land, just 
going back and reading some of my early writing from, you know, almost a decade ago will make me cringe to this day. But, um, you just get better at that stuff. And I think that's a lot of like habit forming, like not even to harp on, I wouldn't even call this negative because it's not, it's just an interesting thing. Like even when I've had points in my life where I've taken months off from really like succinctly writing about games or doing anything like that. Um, and even in those stretches of my life, I've been unable to not take notes about video games I'm playing to the point that has annoyed people in my personal life. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking notes. And they're like, fucking why? Like, we're just <laughs> hanging out. We're just watching Avatar. Christ, like, what Rich, if somebody stop. holds a gun to me in the alleyway? I'd be like, well, Avatar would be quick. It'd be, if we were watching Avatar, I'm assuming you mean James Cameron's Avatar. It'd be like one note. It's like, wow, this sucks. Um, and that'd be the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I still can't believe that's a franchise. I agree to disagree. It, it's, it's so bad. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, one really positive one in this, I think, has bled into like one of the current projects I'm working on here. It's always been like a thought I've had and why I kind of uh, drove myself to doing this. As I've gotten older and more familiar, kind of how Josh was talking about with... Um, like design choice and like finding things that work in games and things that don't work and being able to connect those sort of dots. I got a fonder appreciation for like past generations of gaming. Specifically, what I mean is like how technical limits of like the SNES era before that and even onward um, force people to develop creatively. Like so yeah. many novel ideas came out of trying to get the most we could out of an old piece of hardware. And you don't see that as much anymore because hardware is just powerful as fuck now. It's, it's not a huge consideration. These realistic yeah. experiences. But like these sort of shit we learned about like fog tech and like Silent Hill or um, Castlevania Symphony of the Nights wrote Upside Down Castle being just a way to save space of being like, we're going to literally double the length of this game by just flipping the map upside down. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the thing, the cool things too, um, and you're kind of alluding to it kind of directly saying it. I think one positive that I would mention from critiquing games over the years is it's caused me to think about games in vastly different ways so much so that I've wanted to create different types of content. Um, and I, I value all of it in different ways. You know, obviously, Chomp Cast is something kind of funny, and it's like the basic relaying. We're talking about games from the most basic standpoint, our impressions of it, and did we like it or didn't we like it? And kind of, granted, we get into some nitty-gritty sometimes, but I think for the most part, we kind of keep it at the surface level, I would say. Whereas something like Chomping After Dark, and maybe to some people that seems a little bit superfluous, that type of podcast, but we get to spoil the entire story and get to the real grittiness of the stuff. You know, Josh was alluding or saying earlier, looking at symbolism or iconicism. I, I don't know if iconicism is the right word there, but um, I'm going to say it is just for the sake of keeping yeah. the flow going. We'll you know, go looking at iconoclast. That's definitely not it. Um, <laughs> looking at that stuff in a story and it causes me to rethink about the experiences I'm taking in as mm. well, or looking about the history and creation of gaming, which is something I wasn't interested in 10 years ago. I couldn't care less about that stuff, but now I start, I think about that stuff a lot. So are you going to listen to the show or not? 
<laughs> and R- Rich talking about the historical impact and importance of something, and now he's created something out of it. We're doing reviews. We do all this stuff now, all this content creation that we we because we love gaming and we love to talk about the different aspects of it. It's something that was simply bo- born out of people wanting to get together and just do a podcast talking about video games, you mm-hmm. know. And I like that we have become so ingrained and enjoyed it so much that we've diversified our our experiences and our portfolios, so to speak. Yeah. I, I you for know sure. I don't think that we would we would have done that had we not been critiquing games for as long as we have been. I mean, I. It kind of goes without saying, obviously, because then you have to think about content, new angles and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that you have to show as much of a passion for it. And I, I feel like we're still as passionate as ever. And it's manifested in different ways. I think mm-hmm. that's a really cool way to you know, think about that. And, um, the one other thing I want to say uh, in terms of positivity is that, like Josh has said, I have played games that I wouldn't have normally heard of because I, I really, I'm the type of person who values convenience above almost everything else. So I kind of stick to my lanes sometimes uh, more than I should. I'm, I'm a very open-minded person and I, I'm very much looking to try new experiences. I'm always willing to try new things, but in my daily life, I will generally stick to the things that make my life the easiest. I'm the type mm. of guy who has eaten the same breakfast for years now. And I, it hasn't changed much. Like small things have changed, but I still eat the same breakfast. And I'm that kind of guy. And I'm okay with that. I'm the, that kind of person, I should say, who can largely kind of adhere to a routine um, because it benefits me and it benefits my mental well-being. So when it comes to games, I would generally kind of stay in the same lanes. But because of us doing this podcast, because of you guys specifically talking about different experiences, that it makes me want to try new things. And I'm really appreciative of that because I miss out on things. Like in 2018, I missed out on The Messenger. And then Fucking I think you guys... <laughs> Shut up, bitch. And then <laughs> I... <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I was talking to myself. I'm but, uh... joking. Uh, I'm working here. We don't talk like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's our but phrase. No, um, and then because you guys talked about it over the years and I got my head out of my ass, I finally played it and I was like, man, I missed out for two and a half years hmm. on this amazing game. In fact, you know what? I'm getting off this podcast to go listen to the soundtrack right now. You boys have a good show. So good. <laughs> you know what's funny about that, Rich, is um, when we did that Game of the Year show back in 2018, when we were picking best soundtrack, um, Morgan had mentioned that our good buddy Rich sent in this track from the messenger and it was a messenger trick. I was like, shit, I forgot all about this. Was it Bamboo Bugaloo? I probably sent in Bamboo Bugaloo because that that's fucking fire. Yeah, it was that or one other one. I can't, I'd have to go back and listen again because I forgot which track it was. But um, to be fair, I've, I've been listening all these podcasts at 1.5 speed. <laughs> so I'm actually probably talking a little bit faster now than I normally do. And it's because when I'm listening to the podcast, it's like, so Josh, what do you think about this? Yeah. Uh, so I was playing this game. And <laughs> that's how I've been listening for days. Mm-hmm. And so my, the only I think way my speech is kind yeah. of sped up a little bit as a result. All Chompcast now available in 3.5 speed. Mm. 
Thank God I don't have to listen to these fucks talk for three hours straight. But no. <laughs> Somehow um, there's still full on 30 second pauses. Yeah. <laughs> True. So let, let me um, reverse this question then and say, what are some negative um, ways that critiquing gaming for as long as we have been has kind of negatively impacted the way you think about gaming? And I'm going to throw that to you first, Rich. I'm going to throw it right back to you. I'm just so tired. <laughs> um, I think, in all seriousness, I probably get like more nitpicky than need be. And this sort of like lines into my um my inability to stop taking notes where I've like uh caught myself like out with friends or something at a bar and they'll like talk to me about a game or something and they're like, Oh, did you check out this? It's pretty cool. I'm, you know, a few hours in. I'm like, Yeah, but like it doesn't really work because of X, Y, and Z. And then I feel like I like ruined a game for them by inherently pointing out its flaws mm. and I feel terrible. Um, it's hard for me to separate that part of my brain. Um, and the same goes for film actually at this point is like, I'm inherently searching for flaws when I do things. And it's not because I want to negatively associate it and finding those flaws rarely even ruins the experience of something a game is doing right. It's just, my brain is now wired to nitpick and find the problems so i can bring them to light and compare them against the things that do work to kind of have that give and take mentality yep yeah 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 i think i mean oh god i mean we we, we do this every now and then well rich and i i've noticed this especially in the last year where we'll get on and just shit on a game for the first 15 minutes and be, and like, be like, but it's, it's like, good. Yeah, but it's great. It's great. It's, yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. That's you and me with Back for Blood recently. Be like, yeah, like this could be better. Like, but I'm having a lot of fun. I played 23 hours of it this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely noticed that. I mean, with you guys, and I, I'm guilty of that at various points as well. I, I'd say kind of an offshoot of that because I agree with you, Rich, and I, there's not much more I can add to that. But what I can say is I hate when I'm just sitting there comparing it to other experiences mm. rather than just enjoying it. I do that sometimes where I'm sitting there playing. For example, I was playing... I could be um, playing Pocky and Rocky right now. Uh, you know, I was sitting there playing Cyber Shadow, and I'm like, this isn't as good as The Messenger. You know, like, Messenger did this and this and this better. And I'm like, two separate games, two separate companies. Just yeah. look at it as is. And Two separate games trying to... I think the first few hours of, the, of Cyber Shadow, so, like, in that specific case, solely because the aesthetic is so close... And they are specifically both evoking certain things about Ninja Gaiden. Two very different parts of that game, each of them right. are evoking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they both do their respective parts so well. Like, Cyber Shadow is phenomenal. That very well may be in my top ten this year. Uh, it just does a lot of, of different stuff. Um, exactly. Exactly. You gotta, yeah, gotta it's just, take it for what it is. I, I, that's one of the things I think I struggle to do because when I'm critiquing games sometimes, and I'd like to get better at, is when I'm looking at games that I'm playing them, sometimes I look at flaws, like you were saying, Rich, and then I just start comparing to other experiences rather than just being like, this is an isolated experience. I shouldn't be looking to, to compare it to other things. If that comparison comes naturally, sure. But I shouldn't be looking. And I think uh, that sometimes, for me, that this yeah. obviously is how I it's, feel. It's, is, I think is, that's is a that hard like thing to the dinner? Because, I mean, like, this is... Um, It seems it seems like there's always something, like more or less, you know, direct comparison. 
to be made uh, for a lot of a lot of media. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's easier to draw that comparison because for a certain amount of people that evokes a certain feeling, you go like, this is comparable to this. and I, It's like when I go out to dinner and it was like, hey, Rich, how's that penne? And I'm like, this is the Dark Souls of penne. And then they asked me to leave. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is like, for me, I feel like yeah. I use it as a crutch sometimes. Mm. And that's, that's why I don't, I, I want to get better at not doing that because I think, and I think I especially think about it this year, as I played more games this year than any other year that we've been doing this, that I'm like, oh, this is very similar to this in this regard. And instead of being able to eloquently and succinctly describe the experience I had, whether it's positive or negative, I'm using another game, possibly yeah. a more well-known game, as kind of a crutch for my own shortcomings on that. And I, th- that's, yeah. that's I think there's val- value in that, though, to be fair. Like, I, I, do, I do think so, too. But you shouldn't like, rest on being like, it's like this, so this is why you'll like it. But having comparison points, there, there's, there's definitely value in it. It's, it's how it's employed. employed and that's yes, what I, I th- I'm saying. I use it more as of a crutch than as a a further um, enforcement of support. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a tool that you have to use properly because otherwise it's going to end up being just, you know, a substitute for thought a lot of times. I mean, mean, like just as many, like like we're just saying, it's it's the Dark Souls of Penny. Um, Yeah. Like, like, how, how how many games were the Dark Souls of whatever for like a fucking decade like because that was easier than you know thought is just saying it's like easier than actually like expanding upon your thoughts yeah because you know what to be fair like dark souls felt like a burgeoning like genre at the time Mm -hmm. and saying this game is a souls like is totally acceptable as like a baseline introduction yes and then expanding upon that well like exactly. i think a lot of people even say that for just difficulty right now it's it's very dark souls like and it's like mm-hmm. you mean to just say it's hard i mean like you don't need to yeah. say it's dark souls like because yeah, there like, are many other games that are mm-hmm. more difficult well that's like when i say things are metal gear like people are like oh the cutscenes are 45 minutes i get it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. yeah maybe uh, i don't know What's uh Josh, what's a what's another way that you can think of that's critiquing games through these years has kind of negatively impacted your appreciation for gaming as a whole? Um hmm. If you want, I can go and then it's you it's can kind think of, about I'm, it. I'm it's it's kind of similar to what, what Rich was saying with the whole overly critiquing everything, because I've noticed that a lot with like someone telling me about a game they really like or whatever. Um, like, especially, like, in my family or whatever. Like, like oh, I really like this game. And, what you know, an idiot you are. Yeah, like, in, in, in order to... It's made it harder to be a person. Uh, which, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of... It seems yeah. to be gaming in general. Seems to, I don't know, just, just, just judging by a lot of the online gamers I see, it's, it seems like maybe gaming makes it harder to be a person. Uh... So it's not the podcasting bit. It, maybe it's the gaming bit, but um, it's the culture. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I have to work at to make sure that I'm, you know, able to be happy for someone who's enjoying stuff. And like, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty good at it at this point, but it's something I have to think about. Um, Being a gamer can break your brain, Josh. Yeah. It was 
it was like the 20 minutes today I spent hovering over the $40 buy button for the Peppa Pig game going, wouldn't it be funny if I reviewed <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, game, gaming is trash. The, gaming was a mistake. It's nothing but trash. Um, yeah. Yeah, whoa. that's true. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Gamers were a mistake. Yeah. I mean... That, that just gets into a whole existential crisis or that's a different right there because we could say that's a I'm different sorry, uh, I, I forgot I forgot I'm terminally and... online is do you not it, that's a Hayao Miyazaki thing have you yeah yeah uh, anime is trash Anim- <laughs> where he's giving an interview and he says oh, I miss that it's, it's okay. anime was a mistake it's nothing but well, trash. my favorite my favorite <laughs> is the Hayao Miyazaki him, like, saying it it's from the same interview where he's saying something under his breath, like to the guy behind him. Mm-hmm. But like when they dub it over, when he's just like the interviewer talking to him, and he leans over. And he's like, "Weeb trash," <laughs> <laughs> as one does uh-huh. when they are one of the most appreciated uh, animators of all time. Yeah, but yeah. I'd say one thing, and it kind of expands upon just the general scope of critiquing games, but it's a it's a byproduct of that is how much more like it's a it's a it's a good thing and I didn't mention it during the positive it's kind of falls somewhere I think in both camps but I'm going to just mention it here mm-hmm. is how more socially aware I am of a lot of the um things that happen around gaming now because you know in my early 20s I was blissfully unaware of how fucking trash some of these um companies can be in terms of the culture that they have there or how terrible their ceos are and now being a critique uh, a critic of gaming for as long as we have been and looking at games in all these different ways a byproduct of that is noticing all these companies doing these horrible horrible things you know um what do you mean? They renamed McCree today. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I actually posted that meme on our social media about that. But mm-hmm. no, I it's it's not a bad thing. I don't want to say it's a, a an exclusively bad thing to be socially aware, but it's like it's bad I for my mental I health. I played that game Indivisible that Josh had been rec- recommending to me for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, from the developer oh Lab Zero Games. That's such a sad And then come to find story. out the controversy behind that studio of... Um, the the uh, controversy with that non-existent studio at this point. Cause, yeah. Yeah, God unfortunately, damn. yeah. That's so sad. It's so sad, because that was yeah. such an amazing debut game. And then... And I had... I think we talked Ugh. about this at the time. I had met with those guys at a um a PAX to demo that game, and they were like all so fucking passionate and mm-hmm. so proud of the game they had put together. That was at a point I love telling the story because it's funny as shit. Um, <laughs> they hadn't done any of the VO for the game yet, but it was mostly done. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the demo I was playing, it was just like synthetic robot voices. <laughs> and awesome. I was trying to talk them into putting it in the game. I'm like, sell this as a downloadable pack for like six dollars. I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. I, I look at that stuff for like the the telltale saga of what happened to that company, mm. and yeah. I'm like, all that stuff. And the the longer you get into the critiquing of it, then you start becoming more aware of all these cracks in the seams and. Um, what becomes a hobby holes, starts really. becoming mm-hmm. something more than that, you know? And for some people, they, and I'm not going to blame anybody ever for this, 
they come to gaming to kind of escape. It is a hobby. And I get that. Yeah. And I'm I'm never I'm never gonna fault anybody for that because I get it. I get it. You well, know, like we're we're too involved in this world to ignore it. Yeah, like, you can't it, pay I, attention to everything. And if it's if it's not something you're always up on, it, yeah, yeah, yes. Like but, yeah, no. I don't. I don't think this has to be the case for everyone. But like the three of us are too involved in this world to ignore shit like that. It's it's too much a part of our lives. Right. Yeah, right. One one thing like uh, that I've been doing the past week and a half is I've been reading. The Art of Not Giving a Fuck, that book. And I'm sure many, <laughs> most people have heard, heard about it or um, read it. And it's been a, an interesting thing. And I, I get that, you know, for some people, they pick and choose which causes that they, they care about or the things in their life that they care about. And, um, you know, doing gaming as long as we have, it's something that I care about. And I want the medium to be yeah. better because I know everything it's provided for me in my life throughout the years. and. I want that same opportunity for the generations who come after us. And I even want it for our generation and the generations before us. Yeah. That's... You, know, I w- you just want the best for the hobby that you enjoy and you want people and the experiences to personify that. I mean, nothing can ever be perfect and there are always going to be mistakes and there are always going to be shitty people, but um... clearly you've never played a link to the past. Um, yeah. Th- I, I, that's something that I feel like a lot of people get wrong because, like, the impulse is. There, there's too much to care about. You can't fix everything. And yes, not caring about something is fine. Why? Not because you're a horrible person and, oh, I don't care about this, but because maybe it doesn't need you to care about it. There are other people who do care about it. Um,. I feel like there's a big impulse uh, just to say that if it's not something you care about, that, you know, why does anyone else care about it? Like, a- anytime anything comes up ever, someone's like, but there are hungry children. Like, like, yes, there are. Like, it's... That, that has nothing to do with you know, whatever you're talking about. It's, it's a different concern. It's not, this is not some, you know, yes, yes, your attention is, you know, maybe with something that in the grand scheme doesn't matter as much, but also it's kind of insane to think that, you know, you personally are required for for something to get better in in a given situation um i think the problem is with like when you talk about bigger issues like that and it's like should i have to focus on this my concern is never like specifically there are children that were starving all over the world it's like the comparison of it like there are children starving all over the world and jeff bezos has literally become scrooge mcduck Mm -hmm. i i think i think that's the bigger thing issue there and i i mean i'm going to try and apply it back to gaming um yeah i'm going to answer your question and turn it back into gaming is often when i think about these kind of bigger world issues because obviously you guys know and um longtime listeners of the show know i you know at one point i was very very interested in ecology and i still am very much so and climate change and all of those things Mm -hmm. and i think the big issue there was what can i realistically do to help the yeah. situation, to for 
further progress. You know, I could be taking shorter showers. I could be reducing the amount of plastic, which those are things I have worked on. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are things I can work on in my daily life. And then you hear reports that like, you can do all those things and it doesn't matter if the top 75 companies who are, you know, producing um, 80% of the greenhouse gas emissions, that's not actual numbers. Well, you know, that, that's just making whole the different... example that yeah, basically yeah, yeah. there's only so much you're going to be able to do at your level. Yeah, yeah that's kind of... Um, and so... It, that's a whole you know, different like conversation. The, the big but, issue there becomes, yeah. with, comes with you kind of wrestling with your own sense of what can I realistically do to help the situation and what is unrealistic and out of the scope of what I can do. Or if there's somewhere I want to get with that, how can I get there? You know, instead of being hard on yourself for not doing that, like, how can I get there? So when you think about gaming, like for us, realistically, we can't go into these studios and we can't just be like, hey, stop fucking abusing women and creating this toxic culture environment. Stop being racist. Stop doing these things. Realistically, where we're currently at, we can't do that. But what we can do is we can talk about it um, because we do feel passionate about gaming and we do feel passionate about basic human rights that we can sit here and we can talk about it and we can make it more, that information more publicly available so more people can hold these companies accountable. And even even if it's just like a positive perception part of it. Um, Because, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, Kind of, kind of like I was saying early, our individual efforts are not ever going to be so huge that it's a matter of, oh, if, if I don't care about this thing, you know, the world's going to end. Like, it's my, my personal contribution, contribution is just invaluable. Um, and I think that's the mindset that's really easy to get into. I mean, like, how many people did you see demonizing someone for using a fucking plastic straw? Like... That was never the issue, but like it, it's it's really easy to convince yourself that it is, um, and it's become more of a status thing at that point because, like, like you said, it's that whole shifting. That's a whole different conversation, but it's like the shifting of the personal responsibility thing. It's like in a perfect world where like this could enact change, but like we're not us on a personal level, me using a fucking plastic straw in my coffee isn't the issue. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, like, okay, really, really derailed ourselves here, but, any, th- th- like... I tried to get us back on track. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, but, but point being that I think it's more important to realize that you can't fix everything and kind of... Main point that I've been trying to get it, you know, get to very slowly this whole time is it's okay for you not to be able to fix everything and like, you know, give yourself a break about it. Um, like, I, yeah. I, I feel like there's, it's really easy to be like, Oh, I just discovered a new thing. I have to do everything I can about this thing to fix it. Maybe, maybe you don't, maybe the people that you heard about it from in the first place have got it covered. Like maybe it's enough for you to just make someone else aware of it as well. Then, um, uh, yeah, I think it's enough to promote awareness and also do what you can in the personal level in the sense of, like, support the people that are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And if someone is doing – a company or a person is doing something so gross you're not comfortable with it, then don't subscribe to supporting their works if, like, it, if it's something you're, yes. you're that disgusted with. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say, and then we can kind of um, 
see if there are any lingering thoughts you guys want to mention on the topic as a whole, is that I think it can be really easy to, when you start getting involved in gaming or you've been involved and you start being more, you know, socially conscious or socially aware of what's kind of happening in these companies and these studios and the negative things that are happening, is I think it can also be very easy to be like, okay, um, the Telltale thing happened and um, hopefully these these uh, developers and these company workers, you know, they get a proper severance package. They get proper healthcare. Okay, that's taken care of. Oh, there's a new issue. Okay, let's get that one settled. Oh, there's a new issue. And it's like, it never ends. And you know, that's yeah. humanity as a whole. Problems never disappear. They're what always going to be there. And you just got to pick and choose which fights you're ready for and when you're ready to to fight them. And sometimes you know, you're tired and you're like, man, blizzard, you know? And you're like, shit, do you know, do I want to keep talking about this? And it's like, maybe you feel guilty that you're not talking about as much as you should. And I don't think you should feel guilty because then there, that's up to other people to kind of take the reins on that. You don't have to be so poignant and so eloquent and so forward on each problem that, but to be aware of some of them, I think if you, you, if you want to care about gaming at that level, you absolutely should. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, and it, I think it does nothing but help other people in those situations that are suffering from that. But I don't think it's a requirement either. But I, like the, the point being of me bringing that up in general is just like sometimes... I just want to enjoy a game. <laughs> like as yeah. as admittedly, as much as I very much care about human rights and everything, there are times where I'm like, I just want to sit down and play a game. I don't want to think about this stuff. And there are times where I get to do that. Not to say that I don't get to do that, but um yeah. sometimes I'm playing a game and I'm like, huh, I wonder if anything shitty happened at this studio. I, I hate to admit that, but <laughs> sometimes that is my thought. Yeah. You know? Um, but I mean, positives or negatives are just neutrals. Are there any other ways that you think critiquing gaming for as long as you guys have has influenced you? Something that we haven't really mentioned? Uh, I think we covered the big ones. I mean, a lot of it was like the habits and the way I sort of consume games were were my big thoughts on this subject. And I think we, we covered all those pretty well. Um, yeah. I mean, something that I kind of happened for a while and then i've kind of come around on it a little bit as well there was a while there where i kind of played so many games um that you know ended up not liking and whatnot just because of the odds of of that happening it's kind of that i that i ended up kind of not valuing um them in any way like okay like even even if it's a game i didn't like it's so easy to just you know like whatever like it's it's trash like some someone still really worked on it um and i i don't know i think there's 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 value to being able to you know call trash trash but also understanding that you know there's still effort that goes into it um which yeah. I, I think I think there's a, a a balance there that I was not good at early on because I feel like honestly I feel like a lot of times 
it's the, the developers know that what they're making is trash occasionally especially with some of the triple a stuff and and you can tell like oh, there's there's a FIFA lot of care too there's a lot of care put into different aspects of this like oh man the art on this is outstanding like there's some really cool game design here in this one spot like you you can tell that there's a lot of individual care that goes into something that at one point i just would have written off the whole thing and just been like it's like fuck it it's it's garbage but i think this is kind of I don't know. I think it's important to, to just like we were talking about early earlier about being able to say what's wrong with something you do like. There's there's also a value in being able to say what's right with something you don't like. Um, yes. And yes. That, that was I something mean, I was really bad at beforehand. I, and I think, you know, like personally knowing you for as long as I have and us talking about games for as long as we have, I think there are moments you've you definitely gotten a lot better at that. And um yeah, I, you know, obviously, I w- one of the things I think about is when we played um, The Suicide of Rachel Foster, which was a game that we had ended up playing last year, which is, it's a game that I, I don't, I'm, I'm still to this day conflicted on it. I don't think it objectively is a good game, but I think there were some really good elements on it. And, you know, part part of that was like, that was one of the first codes we had gotten as a publication and as a an entity Mm -hmm. so i wanted to be as kind to that as possible and i think that was one of the ones that like really tested you know the positives or negative i I was gonna say and you know i had some positives to say about it even though it wasn't my favorite game and i think that like with you josh because you ended up playing that as well and um yeah much much later like you you were you were a little bit harsher on it but also you did say some positives on it you did say you know the atmosphere of the game was good because um that was part of the thing that came up in conversation i think yeah yeah i think i can't remember exactly what i said on that because it's been so long but yeah 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 um yeah i think that's something you've definitely gotten better at through the years yeah that took that took some effort because it was it's a whole lot easier to just completely write something off and yeah i think on like a personal level if you just want to write something off because you're not enjoying it Go ahead and do that. Like it's it's defining something good about a game is good for a kind of like we were talking about earlier, being able to see why someone else likes it instead of just shitting on something that somebody else likes. And I think it's good for for that aspect. Just from a community standpoint, it's good that we are able to give people the room to like what they like. Um, mm-hmm. but also. If you're not enjoying something, don't waste your time with it. Like there's, there, there was, there's been so many, like oh, the game doesn't get good until 15 hours in or whatever games, and yes, but also, not everyone has time for that. And understanding that someone's going to give up on your favorite game too soon is something that is important to learn as well. Like kind of it's you know that that on the opposite side but you know sure yeah absolutely um yeah i can't really think of any other major things other than like something that we've talked about many times is it's definitely critiquing games for as long as i have has definitely opened my um eyes to games that i would have normally never seen that's something i kind of said earlier but um it's obviously um 
like just all the t- opportunities that we've had, all the people that we've met, um, who have support, who have supported us, who continue to support us, or will in the future support us. I'm just like immensely appreciative for all the love and support oh, we've yeah. ever received regarding that. I think that's probably one of the biggest ways it's affect affected my appreciation for for gaming as well as I've met all these incredible people, um, such as yourselves, and um, yeah, I, I'll I'll there's some of my best memories and I'll never forget them or the people you know i know that's Mm -hmm. a corny way to end that but i mean it's the (laughs) truth for me um never and this will be my my end capper for this never in your life forget and i'm sure most people could no matter what they do understand this to be reality that at this point in my life i have been paid money before to critique games and to critique movies and despite that whenever my mother has a conversation with me about a movie and i tell her it's bad she goes well, I don't listen to what you have to say. And I'm like, Mom, I'm literally a paid critic. <laughs> and exactly. she still discounts my opinion like I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't matter until you make it in the big leagues, Rich. And even then, she's still your mother. Mm-hmm. It's rude is what I'm saying. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So the way I actually frame this question to our um, listeners is I said, listening to gaming critics, how has that affected your enjoyment of games? you know, kind of turn the question around because we talk out of our asses three quarters of the time. How is it listening to us and other people talk out of their asses three quarters of the time? I was curious about that. So um, I'm going to read some of the comments that people left. Strange AFC said, nah, I've been listening to Giant Bomb since 2015 and Next Lander Day One, and it's more about the entertainment aspect of listening to those podcasts. Everyone's Hmm. going to have a different opinion. So it's more less about you know them influencing the enjoyment of gaming but it's more about the entertainment that kind of is a byproduct from gaming which i hope someday well i mean we've already got tons of messages of people telling us that and it's and i always appreciate and i'm so thankful and i i always have a hard time accepting those kind of compliments or that praise but yeah at the same what, what? But I still want to hear more of it because I'm selfish. Yeah, you I'm need vain. validation because you have a I fucking do. problem. Mm-hmm. I, don't we all, Rich? I uh, just want to know it matters. I want to know I'm loved. Tani S said, it has definitely affected how I view publishers and developers, especially how is des- who is deserving of my money and time. As for reviewers, I don't really listen to them a whole lot. I tend to hear what reviewers with similar tastes have to say about a game more as advice than as an actual critique. And I appreciate that because, uh, thank you, Tani. Uh, obviously we're, we're getting lumped into that in part. So I appreciate that. He thinks that about us, but also, um, I think, I think that's such a key thing, you know, because I'm obviously we all produce content, but I'm also a consumer as well, you know? And when I, when I'm consuming other content, if I feel like I'm being preached to, then obviously I fall off that content. But if I feel like someone is just, you know, nudging me in one direction or another in a kind, friendly demeanor, and it's like, hey, you can play this if you want. Here's why I don't think you should play it. Then I'm more apt to listen to that. And, you know, or I'm more apt to be like, hey, you know, I respect what you're saying. I still think I would enjoy this or I still think I would hate this, but 
you know, I appreciate what you have to say on it. I, I do think um, one of the points Tani made is how I was, I've always followed uh, critics growing up and stuff, um, which I think is important. And I always point whenever people want to, like, shit on one publication in particular for some reason, because that makes no fucking sense to me, um, is I never so much followed outlets in the sense of, like, I was finding reviewers whose thoughts kind of aligned with mine. And, you know, over years of reading reviews for certain people, yeah. I could say X person has a similar taste to me. And when they reviewed a game positively, it typically was just an easy way for me to go, okay, yeah, that's going to be a home run for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I agree with you on that. Um, Gay, Go Gay Goji 98 said, I listen to plenty of critics because I find it interesting, but it doesn't sway my opinion either way. Which is fair. Which is fair. I think, you know, um, there's something to be said about listening, looking at things from different angles, but still staying firm in what you believe in. Like, I could listen to people shit on Owlboy, for example, which is a callback. One of the greatest games of the past decade. Yes. Are you being serious? I love Owlboy. We've been over this a million times, Shay. I always forget. I fucking adore Owlboy. Good. I love that game so much. Every time I do this, every, I think I, uh, I got to pull up my review score for Owlboy. <laughs> it's good, okay? Yeah, I know. But no, um, <laughs> and I can hear people, you know, look at it from different angles and critique it. And maybe I'm like, hey, you know what? That's cool that you look at it from that angle. I still don't agree with you. I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've gotten better with the appreciating a review that I don't agree with part of it. Because um, kind of like Rich was saying, I used to be like, okay, I'll find, I'll find someone who's got really similar tastes to me. Um, but like, you know, they, they, you know, say some game that I thought was really bad is one of their favorites for the year or something. And be like, okay, do, do I agree with them about anything anymore? Um, but yeah, my yeah, life is a lie. Anymore. Yeah, um, I feel like that's gotten easier over the years, just because there's so many games that it's just like any number of you know things can you know just make you not in the mood for for something at a particular yeah. time. Um, exactly. And on top of that, I think, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Someone else's critique of something that you like. Is not something to be taken personally, because mm -hmm. it's not. No, it's not I'll your write an art. angry it's email. It's not a reflection of you. I feel yeah. personally attacked. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that I actually struggled with in our earlier years of doing this podcast, and it's something I think I've gotten a lot better at. You know, um, it's it's kind of funny. Is um, I <laughs> again as I've been listening to those episodes, hearing Josh in the 2016 <laughs> episode say. Saga Frontier was cancer and I was like fuck I get to relive that again and then um yeah. you know like I was when I was when it was 2016 I was like you motherfucker like I'm mm -hmm. telling you it's a good game listen to me trust me and uh you know in 2021 I'm like okay that's fine I still love the game it doesn't make me appreciate it any less I'm not going to take his dislike for Maybe it, it personally mm -hmm. you know Sp speaking of Saga those uh Game Boy Saga games that got released as Final Fantasy games just got uh, a new a new release finally. So yes, you can 
Yep. So if you're too lazy to find an emulator, you can you can go play those now legally, which, you know, if you feel like it, if you're curious oh, in that, I'm um, gonna. Oh at yeah. At some point, I actually like those because I'm an insane person. But yeah, there are hey. redeeming qualities. Yeah, I'll, are... I'll take any victory where I can get it. Mm-hmm. Rich, did you find your score so you can mention it before we move on? Uh, no, I didn't. I I can't figure out what website I reviewed it for. <laughs> Fair point. It's fair to say you'd give it a 10 out of 10, though, right? I think it was like a 8 or a 9. I want to say an 8. I, you could have been a little higher, but I'll forgive you. It's a good game. It is a very good game. Digital Samurai said, Well, the fact that Swordchop is a podcast made by a gaming company, y'all aren't biased, and I laughed at that because we definitely have been biased sometimes, but I appreciate the thought, that I've heard... I mean, y'all share y'all's opinions, but you actually give up all the Intel appeals that people may like or dislike, which is good. And I appreciate that you answered it specifically to us, Digital Samurai. Um, The one thing I will say is we've definitely gotten better over the years at trying to be um, posing it from all viewpoints and being as honest as we can and sharing it from all angles, or at least looking at it from all angles, you know? Um, there are times where we still have our biases. We're all human and that's never going to go away. But yeah, no, I appreciate that you think of us in that way. I really do. Yeah. So. Cool. Uh, JT Ruiz said, listening to critics is definitely a form of entertainment for me. I will say I do listen to some reviewers because they have similar tastes to me. Also, I do think some critiques are nitpicky in many ways. Some reviewers are too forgiving of mediocre mechanics, while others can be overly harsh about aspects that are completely acceptable. And I definitely, when I read that, I I was reflecting on just the history of what we've done for the past five years and definitely found, I think, examples of both. Um, Not with just us as a whole, but with myself, where I've been um, overly forgiving of some terrible mechanics or I've been way too harsh of some experiences you know it kind of speaks to what you were saying earlier josh of it kind of depends on some of the circumstances surrounding the game you know if something is nostalgic to me like a saga frontier you know there are some mechanics in that game that are objectively terrible but because there is some nostalgia surrounding that game i'm more forgiving of those terrible mechanics the thing i notice this with the most personally is JRPGs. Because if I am not in the mood to grind, like, there's... Like, no. Like, just just no. Like, like, I've got to really be in the mood for a JRPG, even though that's something that I used to play a ton of, because that's... I don't know. Like, back in the day, you get a hold of a good JRPG ROM, and you've, you've got a couple weeks taking care of entertainment right there. Um, it's just, uh... Good bang for your buck back when I was a kid trying to uh, find some way to entertain myself. Um, and, yeah. like, it's it's not something that I'm always in the mood for anymore. And I notice this a lot where I'll just bounce off of something whenever it's too grindy. Not always. Like, every now and then it's something that I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, this I'm I absolutely love this. For no reason. It's not that it's better than whatever other one that I bounced off of. It's just, well, I'm I'm in the mood 
to to sit down and grind out a bunch of mindless battles while I watch a TV show or whatever. Um, yeah, and, and that, I think that's a really good point, and it's part of our jobs to um, to be as objective as we can about that, but also acknowledge that sometimes subject subjectivity plays an effect, and um, that's why I think it speaks back to some of the earlier commenters who said it's advice. That that's how you should be viewing it as advice, not as a um, an end all be all for a game, you know. And that's that's part of the reason why I think I have such a hard time accepting scores, is um, mm. you know, like even though I just gave Rich shit for not giving Owlboy a high enough score, because that's that's such a subjective thing, and um, it it all like there's so many factors that play into that. Whereas I like the advice aspect of it better you know I, f- I feel like scores are too often used as a crutch in a positive or negative way hmm. so. and this isn't like this isn't me <laughs> taking pot shots at anybody i promise you here um um obviously morgan one of our former co-hosts used to be very much into scores and like i'm not taking pot shots at him or anybody like that i'm just saying that i think for me i've always looked at these kind of crit- critiques as more of advice than um ways i should proceed forward look man giving scores especially giving a 10 out of 10 still gives me anxiety to this day um i think i've told the story before the only 10 out of 10 i ever gave out in my life was the messenger while i was at destructoid and i was very close to not doing it until i got an email like the night before it went live and our sister site was nintendo enthusiast and it was one of the guys over at nintendo enthusiast that, and it just said, messenger review question. And he just hits me. He's like, hey, Rich, you're doing the messenger for Detroit, right? And I'm like, yeah, what's up, dude? And he goes, am I insane to give this a 10 out of 10? And I go, oh, thank fucking God you said it. I really wanted to do it, but I was so nervous. And now that I know you want to do it too, I feel a lot better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I've definitely found myself being too forgiving or too harsh. and. I'm still trying to find a good balance of that, and I think I will never find the perfect balance that I, I where I feel completely good. But I want to get as close to that as I can. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Last comment. It's kind of a funny comment. Um, is from our buddy Shit Ain't Real, who said, "I find that I disagree with everyone. God of War sucks. So does the Outer Wilds. They're just not good games." <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh at that. Just like. I respect his his uh, convictions to that, and I you know I can't disagree with him because that's completely opinion based. But him and I were talking a little bit about um, God of War because that's the one I can speak to, and we're having a fun little discourse back and forth on that game. But God of War is great. Outer Wilds is one of the best games of the last twenty years. Yeah, I I can see how you could get you know distracted doing so much of the some of those you know, for whatever reason God, we're gonna be roguelike we're gonna be that they stuck about... in a god of war for some reason and and then talking yourself and thinking really the rest good. of it's really bad after that experience uh, but yeah man fuck outer wilds we're gonna be talking about a lot of time loop games at the end of the year this year uh none of them got shit on outer wilds yeah even death loop especially death loop <laughs> no, I, I like I liked it. They're very different. Very, 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 very different games. 
I feel like Deathloop would have come close if they just, and and this would have made it a hundred percent less popular. So there's no reason they would, but if they just didn't have a journal in it, so it's a matter of you keeping track of everything yourself. I would have despised that. It would have sucked for almost everybody, but like, it would have been interesting in its own way. I mean, like, even even not not getting rid of the journal, but like toning it back in a lot of ways, because it kind of gets. I don't know. It it feels it feels way pointy, sort of sort of like you know, almost 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 like perfect art too. Sort of like they can make it a little less go here, go here. I get that, but yeah. collecting the information is still incredibly useful, and I still advocate yes. for that. Yeah, I kind of wish it was something more along the lines of like the the bomber's notebook, where you've got all the information right there, but it's 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 on you to kind of figure out what to do with it at that point. Um, Those little right. guys. Yeah. Well, sure, they drove racial tensions in Clock Town, <laughs> but you know that's that was the learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go any further on that conversation, let's let's end the current one we have. Um, I think that was a really fun, actually interesting conversation because it's not it's not often that we actually kind of talk about ourselves in a meta sense, and I think it's always cool to kind of give us behind the scenes look at you know how we approach things, the way we think about things, and how it's kind of changed and shaped us over the years. I mean, you can get small inklings of that whenever we talk about games and um, talk about the other things that we talk about, but to directly talk about that, I think is always cool. And it's, it's nice to be transparent on some of these subjects. So I really, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you guys. I just want to say that it was fun. You're sweet nice kid. To reflect. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the short list of games we've been talking about this week. So be here and we'll be right back. X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. New magic store.swordjump.com. Huh? You there, boy. What news? News, sir. New graphic designs over at store.swordjump.com. New graphic designs at store.swordjump.com. That's right, sir. My God. You can get all the designs you want on t-shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases. They've done it. Those sword chomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now. God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! We're back from our break. Feels so good to be back here. We're going to talk about some games now. Um, Rich, you played Into the Pit, and somehow you came out of it and survived. Tell us I all did. about this game. So, um, I had been talking about this on the tweeters a while back. I didn't actually realize it was dropping this soon. Um, Into the Pit, and this is on Game Pass, I should point out. 
is um, Hades by the way of doom is the best way I can describe it. Um, it is a roguelike uh, where the basic setup is your brother, who much like you is some sort of sorcerer, um, was chasing the arcane arts as one does and went to the sleepy hamlet of a gothic looking haunted town. Um, and you've lost contact. So you go there looking for him. And as soon as you arrive, you start talking to some of the people around and learn really quickly that most of the people in the town are missing. Um, and the town used to be prosperous because of what was essentially a pit to hell that exists in the center of the town. Um, but as it turns out, that wasn't so great and it's gone awry pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and so you must literally descend into the pit. But it is a first person game it is most comparable in terms of like speed and even like visual aesthetic to like old doom um it's got kind of a rough like smudgy almost like like 90s pc game look to it and it is a very fast uh first person quote-unquote shooter uh basically you're queuing up it's a roguelike so it's run based um you're equipping different runes that change like armor stats and health regen and stuff like that and in your left hand and your right hand, you're assigning a spell to each hand, so a different sort of attack. It might be, like, a long-range projectile in the left hand that explodes on contact, and, like, a short-range scatter on the right, and you can mix up how those work, different afflictions they'll put on enemies, but, like, in short, it is just a super-fast first-person shooter with, like, this sort of diving-into-hell aesthetic and no actual guns, like magic you're firing from your hands. Hmm. Um okay. I haven't put a ton of time into it yet, but I'm having a ton of fun with it. Uh, it is very fast in a way that takes getting used to. Like, the actual uh, thing I was feeling most a vibe of it with uh, when last I can think of I don't know if either of you put any time into Devil Daggers mm. uh, from a couple of years back. Nope. Um, very little. I like that game a lot, Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is sort of arena-based like that, because the the run-based sense of it is basically you dive into the pit and you go down to a level, and there'll be, say, in the first level of the pit, there'll be four gates, and each gate is a different arena you have to go in and conquer. And when you conquer that arena, you come back out, and there's a reward, usually in the form of some sort of currency, um, and an upgrade you can attach. And once you clear the gates on every level, you can now descend into the next level. Um, in certain levels, you can also find the missing villagers. And saving the villagers and bringing them back up top. Like, once you find one, it's like, hey, it's safe. You can get out of here. Um, mm. Might I open up new shops where you can get new, like, permanent progress and stuff like that in the, the overall outstretch of the game. I haven't put okay. a ton of time into it, but the visuals grab me. I like fast-paced, like, Doom-like feeling things like that. Oh, yeah. And um, coming off of Hades, I'm, I'm in for another roguelike. Even though this doesn't seem like it's going to be quite the in-depth storyteller that Hades was, but... The gameplay feels really good, and it's got a pretty distinct look that I'm vibing with, and it feels right for uh, spooky season. There you go. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to play that since it came out, but started too many long games. Yeah, so I've been yeah have not gotten to that I, one I, yet. I made a point to jump to this one because it is probably the easiest thing on the plate of the many things I'm playing right now mm -hmm. that is very convenient to jump in and out of. Yes. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's what was good about Hades as well, so I think that comparison is fairly apt. For sure. But, like, uh, even if you hadn't, this hadn't been on your radar, I can't stress enough, it's, I, I think it's 20 bucks, I should verify that, but it is on Game that, Pass. That sounds right, because I was about to buy it until I remembered it was on Game Pass. 
Um, yeah, that, it was that, a that number sounds right for me. Yeah, um, uh, I'm just gonna verify that while we're on air because I don't want to tell people the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, fourteen ninety nine, even cheaper Ooh. than that. All right, that's not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Cool. Well, thank you for your detailing that. I'm actually kind of interested in that game now that you're mentioning it. So you, you should take a look. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put some more time into it and really like I don't have any overwhelming underlying thoughts because i'm very early hours with it but premise and execution are good so far like it feels good to play it's got a good look and i i just i'd like to put some more time into it yeah i definitely want to put some time into it i definitely need to prioritize the games that uh i started and haven't finished eastward and i'm I'm in the same boat there yeah yeah i'm still working on eastward it's kind of the same thing i just knocked out um kana finally this week um, mm. Yes, that's great. That would be my review still up for that. That's a fucking phenomenal game. I I, mm-hmm. I actually have like there there's so many things I played this week, but I'm not ready to <laughs> speak my thoughts on them. Like mm. I've I've put uh time into the good life, which I'll talk about next week. Um, I probably put another ten to twelve hours in Back for Blood. Um, but I might end up doing a write up for that, and I i despite its its flaws i still think that game succeeds at being the left for dead successor it wanted to be and if you've got people to play it with it's it's phenomenal maybe if we get done quickly enough tonight we can play some yeah maybe uh, i might have to jet down to the bodega for uh something with caffeine in it but i wouldn't be opposed to that yeah okay well, let's move on to the next thing beast breaker oh yes joshua fallon yeah baby. tell us all about sort of similar beast to breaker. rich's I, I need something that I can play just, you know, a little bit at a time sort of a thing while I finish other things up. Um, this this was my solution to that problem. Um, Beast Breaker is a turn-based sex like, game. Like kinetic... <laughs> <laughs> I just drank some water when I did that. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Damn it. I don't have enough mounted to lick your neck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Oh, oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) What the hell was I talking about? Um, Sex game. Oh, yeah. Sex game. No, Consentical is great, guys. That was... uh, Yeah, um, we all know about it. Yeah. Um... It is a turn-based sort of uh, kinetic, almost like pinball RPG. Pinball is not right, but the the same sort of like bouncing stuff around where you are playing as this uh, little mouse. So it's Sonic Spinball. Who's, who's, you know, know, defending the world from all these like giant, like crystal-looking monsters. Um. And you kind of, you know, bounce around, um, sort of, almost like you're playing pool. Sort of like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot in this direction and, and bounce this way. Um, kind, kind of that sort of peggle feel. Although, um, generally everything is not always, but most of the abilities are more like single bounce or two. So kind of, again, kind of more of that pool feel. Like, you know, you're not doing the Okay, it's gonna go this direction, and then after forty-five bounces, maybe I'll hit this pin at the bottom, sort of a thing. Um, it's it's way less random and more 
like calculating where where you want your attacks to go for the most part um you can never see where your path is going past a certain bounce like it gives you an arrow off your first bounce to show the direction you're going but then past that it's it's all kind of in your head as far as mapping that out um but it is uh kind of just like a level based thing like you you know you go in and um you track down the monster that is supposed to be in an area that you've gotten a, a call for help from um in like this kind of overworld map thing where um you know you just just kind of as the setup to the fight like um where it's a matter of um Like the beast is going to find these different, I can't remember exactly what they're called. They're like pools of, of like magical energy or whatever. Um, and so you have to track them down before they find all three of them. And then after they, f- you know, go drink all three of the magical pools, they'll go attack the town. And if you don't find them by then, well, you just, you just fail the mission before you even do any of the combat or whatever. So it's kind of got a board gamey sort of a push your luck feel to the setup of it, where it's like, Okay, I I found the boss. I know where he is. Uh, I think I've got enough time to go pick up this item here and then that item there in order to make myself a little bit stronger for it. it like it's it's really got a board game feel to it. Um, um, like even you know, like that those battle setups. It's on a hex grid and everything as well. It's very board gamey. There's a lot of inspiration from that. Um, but then you get into the combat. Um. And you kind of have, you start up with like a simple sword and shield thing where you're just kind of bouncing around, moving yourself to do stuff, and you end up unlocking a bunch of different other weapons that you can use to drastically change how you play, um, such as one of several bows that you can use to have ranged attacks instead. So like... um okay, I want to move myself here and then shoot from this direction or whatever. Um, Or hammers, which are interesting because they all build up momentum, essentially. Um, Which it's kind of interesting because, like, they give you the momentum feeling of a hammer, but not in the sort of, like, single big hit that a lot of games would do with a hammer. It's more about... Um, each time you use a hammer ability, it's stronger next time. But if you use anything else, that counter will go back down. Um, hmm. which kind of, you know, makes you want to use the same attack again and again. Um, but that that's not always optimal. So it's kind of about when you want to change your strategy with that sort hmm. of a weapon. The, all, all the weapons so far have been very different. Like even within a certain class, like some of the bows will be like poison based. Um, so like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put poison on this part of the enemy and then go off and kind of, you know, juggle other priorities here and there while the poison just kind of ticks away at them. Like it's, it's really, um, really engaging, uh, every time you get a new weapon, like I've been really, really enjoying it. Um, it is. Uh, by the guys who made threes, if that kind of gives you an idea of the um, sort of how satisfying a really simple idea can be 
uh, for something that you just kind of pick up and pick away at here and there. Um, sort of a sort of a game, but this one's got yeah, you know, like a story and whatnot along with it to kind of. It's it's I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. It is not something. Um. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? You you might be the sort of person who just picks it up and plays the whole thing all the way through. But it does. It feels more like something you kind of play here. Sit and there. down and and eat it chunks of it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been really enjoying having this game to kind of be something that'll just pick up. Oh, I, I've I've got room for one level of Beast Breaker. Um, and it's 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 nice to have role. games like that. And uh, looking at the visuals, I was just looking at some screenshots. It's not at all what I expected, but it looks really charming. Yeah, it's kind of got a um. It's not exactly storybook, but like somewhere between storybook and cartoon sort of a aesthetic to it. It actually reminds me a little bit of the visuals of a game uh, that we should play because we haven't in a long time, Josh. Uh, Root. Root? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, very it, much it got along me thinking, Josh and I should play some Root Digital is what I thought when I looked at this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, Looking at the visuals, I'm actually kind of reminded of like 90s gaming. For some reason, like an earthworm gym, a little bit, just from some of the still shots. I think it's got a very '90s cartoon aesthetic. I mm-hmm. think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it is. I, I'm, I'm really just enjoying picking away at the puzzle because I, I think, I think the weapons change up your strategy so much. Um, and then also, also the armor that you go with it, like you, you have your weapons which um eventually later on you'll get the ability to like break up weapons into the um like essentially essentially a weapon has four abilities that you can kind of choose between it's got um um generally some sort of like building charge thing and then other ways to spend them as the other three um and uh late like eventually I mean, not too long into it, you get the ability to like split up the top half and bottom half of those of those ability lists and kind of mix and match them, uh, which really gives you a lot of customization as far as like how exactly you want to go about killing each of these bosses. Um, it's it's really good. It's really good, and they keep on not really. <sighs> Like all the all the mechanics are essentially there at the beginning, um, but they give you more reason to interact with everything as the game goes on. Um, for for example, um, since the whole thing is built around you saving the village, all the beasts have a rampage timer that if you let it tick down to zero, they'll just they'll attack the town, um, and you lose the level. Um, you'll also lose the level if you take enough damage by standing in, you know, just regular combat stuff. If you, if you stand in crap and, and take damage, you'll eventually die sort of things. Um, well, we've all been there. Yes. Um, but then they give you ways to interact with those systems. Like you'll, you'll eventually unlock the ability to taunt bosses that'll, you know, like pause their rampage timer. Um, which early on, that doesn't really matter because anytime you destroy a core, which is kind of the, the different, it's kind of like destroying a limb on any other boss or whatever. 
if you destroy one of those cores, it resets the rampage counter. And earlier on, that's enough to be the puzzle. Um, and then later on, some of the bosses will have rampage timers that are like two. Like you've got two turns to to reset that counter before it becomes a major problem. But you can then taunt them, which will make them unable to rampage because they're focused on you um, for like two turns until it wears off. Um, and then a bunch of other status effects like that that kind of are based around how the bosses are built. Um, and it's really satisfying um, to be, to you know, like, okay, like, how, how am I going to exactly pick this thing apart? Even though it's, you know, the same basic idea of what I've done before, but now it's got this other wrinkle to the, to the, the puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it, I, I really enjoy that. I, I, I like that sort of iterative, um, you know, yeah, you solve that, but, but what if this sort of a, sort of a design to puzzles um, where it's just, you know, taking something you already understand and uh, making you reconsider it. And iterating in smart yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be able to check it out this year, but definitely sounds like something I'd be interested in in the future. Yeah, yeah. And again, like it can be something that... Um, I need to check the price of this because I, I don't know offhand, but it is something that definitely I think a lot of people would kind of pick up and play a little bit here and there of um, something that's not gonna I mean long term it will require a decent amount of your time but like in any given week or whatever it's not gonna, not gonna be a big investment sort of a sort that's of a good. game that's appealing enough some for of those me games sometimes mm-hmm. yeah cool well the only other game we played I actually like I said I didn't play a single game this week But the only other game that uh, we're going to talk about today is Rich put in some time on Resident Evil 4 VR. I did. Um, The time has finally come. The reason I bought an Oculus Quest is finally here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Resident Evil 4 is now in VR, grabbing all the platforms. Um, So I should start by saying I'm kind of getting my VR legs back in terms of like long-term VR gaming that isn't like using it to work out or stuff. So I've only put about an hour and a half in. Uh, I've gotten through the infamous uh, intro section with the bell and all that. And it's pretty cool, you guys. Uh, There's some (laughs) smart stuff here. So I'll talk a little bit about, I think we all know Resident Evil. People know Resident Evil 4 to death, so I'll talk about what they've done. And it's kind of impressive to talk about the fact that they're bolting VR into a game this old. Like, hmm. It's so hard to retrofit certain things that, like, when you're watching cutscenes, you're just standing as Leon basically in a dark room watching the cutscene on a screen in front of you because <laughs> there's really no other good way to do that because the cutscenes simply are what they are. But uh, yeah. in terms of gameplay, obviously, it's gone to first person now. Oh, um, wow. You have Leon's famous gloves, and you can see the readout of your health and ammo and stuff like that on a watch um, facing your interior there. And you can choose to play it sitting or standing. Um, I messed around with a little bit of both because both work. There's sort of a novelty to standing, but in terms of, like, once you get into a point where you're doing long sessions, you're probably going to want to be sitting down. Um, You can do teleport movement if you want. I absolutely hate that, but I understand it's all that some people can handle. Yeah. Um, So I've been using the normal fluid m- movement along with the... um. 
camera changes that make you sort of turn with a flick of the right stick as to not nauseate you. Um, uh, Rich, before you go any further, what do you mean by teleport? Handling? I mean, literally teleport. Like, instead of moving, you hold down the thumbstick and teleport from place to place. Yeah, yeah. See, I like, I, I'm asking you that question because I want to clarify it for people who don't have any experience with VR. VR, gotcha. Yeah, so that's one of the common ways that uh, movement in VR has been solved for certain people getting sick uh, from moving in VR is instead of literally moving, you have to teleport from place to place. Um, how, then... does that affect, how does that affect something like combat in a Resident Evil game where sometimes you're kind of moving away from enemies, you're like strafing as you're shooting? I, well, here's the thing. If you're playing it like Resident Evil was traditionally played, then it kind of shouldn't because you can't move and shoot originally in Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, that's true of Resident Evil 4. That completely changes. Yeah, they added that with the Wii version, I think, yeah. where you can move and shoot. So technically, if anything, it's a more authentic experience if you're playing like that. Hmm. I would never play it like that because that sounds terrible, <laughs> um, is how I'll put it. The more interesting sort of input uh, for like visual flair that I kind of like, for example, is uh, anyone that's played Resident Evil 4 knows some of the most fluid dialogue exchange that happens in that game are between uh, Leon and Hunnigan on like sort of a radio contact. Mm-hmm. Instead of having that in the corner of the screen now, it's a literal physical radio you can hold <laughs> and like look at Hunnigan on the screen. It's pretty neat. That's um, neat. Yeah, it's a nice little touch and you can even like tap on the screen to just like cycle through it and be like, get to the point. Um, and then in terms of gameplay, there's two different modes you can pick. Uh, I played around with both a little. I ended up going with the immersive mode. There is immersive mode, and then there is... I forget what it's even called, but there is a separate sort of more seamless gameplay focus mode. In in the mode that's focused on, like, ease of use in gameplay and stuff, you're simply tapping the trigger on each hand to, like, switch which weapon you have out and just grapple through stuff quickly. Mm -hmm. In immersive mode, everything is on your person. So your, your knife is, like, over on your right breast. Uh, your... Sidearm is holstered. Uh, grenades are right on your right side here. Uh, you reach to your left shoulder to get he- whatever healing item you have assigned. And then you have a larger firearm like the shotgun or something like that over your shoulder. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of the more fun way to play, if you ask me. Um, especially because, one, with the being able to move and shoot in this, which is very different from the original Resident Evil 4, the knife is finally viable in Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Because you can run it around like a lunatic swinging the knife. Um, and on top of that, when you're playing in this immersive mode and just grabbing what you can, you can dual wield pretty much anything. Um, hmm. So a lot of my early combat was <laughs> pistol in the right hand, knife in the left in case somebody gets too close. And it's really sort of changing the way you would play that game, but in ways that I don't think kill it. Because the way you can respond is immediately hobbled by the fact that you're in VR. So in a lot of ways, you sort of need these quicker reactions, um, especially because on top of that, again, they do everything they can to immerse you in VR. You have to do physical reloads, which is going to slow you down more than it would in the original. Like, I have to discharge the cartridge from my pistol, grab one from my belt, put it in, uh, pull the slide back, that sort of thing. You have to co- pump the shotgun after each shot. Like, <laughs> there are things that hold you up, but they all add to the overall experience of, I am playing Resident Evil in VR. Hmm. Um, when you're saving on the typewriter, a literal keyboard is there. You have to type your initials in and then pull the thing down. 
that's awesome uh there's just it, a lot of neat novelties in, in that it's it completely changes the way you'd experience that game but it's fun the attache case is still there for organizing your equipment and basically in terms of ease of use you're dragging from that internal menu and going like okay this is what's in my pistol holster they, right uh, now this is the healing item that's on quick use I wonder if they made it a little bit easier because you can just kind of toss everything into the attache case and then shake it until it all settles. I really wish that that was the world we lived in, but, like, you still have to Tetris it. Like, you're looking at it in a menu, and you can, like, pick stuff and turn it by hand and move it. Mm-hmm. Just kind of tap perfect, on the sides. <laughs> in, it, listen, in a perfect <laughs> world, the way I would have organized this game is you reach behind your back, pull it out, have to physically put it down on a table and yeah. sort through it. That's what I wanted it to be. It's not quite that. That would be great. Um, but I, I think I, it is doing that stuff pretty well. Yeah. I have a quick question. So, <clears throat> obviously, this is a really beloved game through all the years, and I know you also love this game, Rich. Has this, the playing it in this way, kind of changed um, the way you view the game now, kind of like as a story or just your general memories with it? Is this kind of changing that or is it just you're viewing it as a different experience kind of like with the remake of final fantasy 7 i don't think it's quite as substantial as the remake to final fantasy final fantasy 7 uh, more fundamental changes to gameplay i still love resident evil 4 is probably on my top 10 games of all time list i think it's one of the most important games ever made um i still am enjoying this experience for what it is which is like narratively it is a dumb fucking action movie um, and this is just a totally different way to experience it. And let's be honest, Resident Evil 4 is on fucking everything. Mm-hmm. This is another way that makes it worth revisiting. And I, I know not everybody has... It's only on Oculus Quest, <laughs> by the way. Uh, it's only for Oculus. Ugh. I imagine it'll come to other platforms eventually. Um, well, I mean, Arm- it'll, it'll, I'm sure it'll be on whatever the fully VR, you know, corporate dystopia. I don't want to talk about that. Um, that we're, we're all heading from, into is anyway. It's from Armature. Uh, it's it's just it's such a different weird take on it that I'm enjoying. I should also point out that it takes from the previous the best version of Resident Evil Four, which is the Wii version. Um, you have a laser sight on the pistol by default. Good. Uh, which makes like shooting in this VR world just that much better. But uh. Right now, I'm getting my long-term VR legs back because it's been a while since I first picked up this Oculus and played a bunch of Half-Life Alex. I always feel like it takes a couple of days of assimilating until you can sit down and do like two or three hours of this at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm weaning myself back in, but mm. this is a game I, I'm, I'm here for to be jumping in again. I also wanted to point out, I think they did a good job pricing-wise because there's clearly a lot of work involved in this. Um, it's 40 bucks, and when that's, I see them putting it, like, that's, that's reasonable to me. Like, it kind of makes me more in my own head about how I kind of turned up my nose at the recent announcement and the pricing of that GTA trilogy thing. Where I'm I like, disagree. I disagree with that, but yeah. What do you mean? I'm we'll discuss that, that later. We'll discuss that The GTA that thing's a bad price. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you were saying that you, you're the opposite. Okay, good, good. Okay. Oh, no, I'm saying if they can fully VRify Resident Evil, a PlayStation 2 game, and only charge me 40 bucks for it, it seems fucking insane that they're charging $60 for that GTA yeah. thing. Well, don't worry. We're going to be discussing that in the mm-hmm. polls, so that's a preview of things to come. But I, I have one other question, actually. Um, does this make you want to go back and play Resident Evil 7 in VR? 
it makes me wish I could play seven. Hold on. What what one did we just play? Eight. Eight. Village. Eight. Okay. Seven. Yes, seven was the. Soundtrack. Yeah, seven the, was the, the VR one. VR one. Yeah. Not so much. It makes me wish I could play eight in VR. Um, because again, like eight is so much more of four's DNA. Like seven is its own thing, and it was fun, but it it makes me wish I could play eight in VR. That's fair. Yeah, I wish I could play it in VR as well. Honestly, um, VR is something that I've been wanting to get into for years, but at the same time, I just a the technology is not quite there um like i know it's getting closer but also that there are not enough titles you know i like i had mentioned earlier in the show listening to our old game of the year shows and moss is still a game i really want to play astrobot was a game i absolutely loved in vr um i'd love to play resident evil 7 from beginning to end in vr i'd love to play this in half-life alex and that's where my list stops there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. You got to be in on the medium, which I think I was earlier than most. Mm-hmm. But then on a high, higher end, I think Oculus is that magic headset. It sucks that it's owned by Facebook. Yeah. Um, because in terms of the tech and what they're doing with it, streaming from PCs to have this sort of perfectly compact wireless headset, I think on the technology end, it, it is the best headset on the market. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll be I'll be curious to hear more of kind of your analysis of this game as you go forward because I hope that I my hope is that um with this game it becomes popular and su- successful enough that other companies see that hey I could do this with or we could do this with our older game we could turn it into a VR version and as long as we put in the work it will look good. Or it, and it will feel good and it will play well, that that will give some more viability to VR as well. And hopefully that will kind of spurn change and more development in that department. What one would hope, but you also have to, you know, remember that a big part of the mentality of this project going forward is that Capcom has been using Resident Evil 4 to print money for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah. I, I mean, I think we can see with all the remasters and remakes that nostalgia and we've talked about it before. Nostalgia prints money in general. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there is a console in existence post uh, PlayStation Two GameCube era where you cannot play Resident Evil Four. That that and Skyrim are up there, yeah, for the most ported games. And maybe well, you Grand you Theft can't Auto play 5. Resident Evil Four on an Amazon Alexa yet, so I guess Skyrim mm. has that. <laughs> True. True. Good point. Anyways. Uh, that's our games that we played this week. Unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of time to play a lot of video games, but that's okay. We've been working on other stuff behind the scenes. So we're going to take one more quick commercial break, uh, pay the bills, uh, which is our own bills that we're paying with our own advertisements, but you know, we're still going to do it nonetheless. And we will be right back for the social media stuff. Don't you go anywhere. Hey there. Welcome. If you found this, you must be listening to the Chompcast. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're wondering... Hey, Shay, tell them about the other podcast. Yes, I know you're wondering... What else could I listen to? Don't forget the other podcast. What else could I possibly listen to from these guys? Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, 
head over to SoarChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts, such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies, and Evoking the Sublime, where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game, often paired with interviews from various developers. Thank you, and enjoy. And we're back from our really long break. Uh, we were away for quite some time. We're gonna do the. Uh, we're gonna talk about the polls now uh, that we do on social media. If you are interested in participating, every Tuesday at the Sword Shop Instagram, you too can participate in the listener polls. You vote. We read the results. We reflect on them. We um, call you senseless names, both positive and negative, and then we all move on with our lives. But actually, before we even do that, we have a Patreon poll to get to because I did one of those this week. I was proud of myself. I was productive. So my poll was, or question rather, how often do you listen to video game music? And this was prompted by me sitting on the train listening to the Eastward soundtrack because that soundtrack is amazing. So I was curious. Once a day? Once a week? Once a month? Once in a blue moon or never. I wanted to know what, how often people listen. So I asked them. And the results may shock you once I can pull them up. Which Instagram has not letting me pull them up, god damn it. Uh, <laughs> you feel pretty stupid, I bet. I feel so fucking stupid. You'd think no, you think you would check that. Uh, once, once a week was pretty popular. And once a month was where those were the two most popular ones. I was surprised to see like one or two people said once a day. Hmm. I was really surprised by that. So, um, and we had like one or two people who said never. And I, I called bullshit on that one. Crabby <laughs> nah. Beach from Ape Escape is on my It's Friday playlist. There you go. Because that song slaps. Slaps me in the fucking mouth. Or something. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's fucked up, bro. But yeah, um, it's kind of a more simplistic question, but I was curious, you know. I, I like to get to know our patrons a little bit better, and I figured that was a really good way to pick their brain. Yeah. <sighs> I guess it's not going to happen. Had a sneeze, it decided not to come. Mm. <sighs> Sorry. Hold on just a second. The worst. I hate that. I hate that when you uh-huh. have a sneeze and then just chills and then just sits in your nose and doesn't go anywhere. Yep. Okay. So, anyways, uh, let's get to the Instagram social media polls, the, uh, the sore chomp ones. First question, do you feel a special need to play spooky and scary games during the month of October? 54% of people said spooky season and 40% of 46% of people said boo bitch. And that really hurt. That was really offen- offensive. Huh. Right? You know, I don't I don't know why people would say that. But yeah, I I mean a few years ago uh Josh and I did a October streaming month of just spooky games and that was really fun. I I like to get into the season. I haven't really gotten to the spooky season this year unfortunately. 
So yeah, yeah, I made uh, a playlist for that for us to possibly do that again, and then we never got to that. I mean, I guess we've got a I week wanted... a week left to to do something this. Maybe we month, could because but... I actually, I actually want to bring up while we're on this subject is I have assorted a a quick collection that I'm going to try and stream before the month is out. Okay. Uh, during the weeks when I have chance of uh, some quick hit indie horror games I've been meaning to get to. Okay. Um, Do it. The first of which I really want to get to is a game by the name of Bloodwash, um, which is a PS1 graphical style horror game uh, where you were being stalked by a serial killer in a laundromat. All right. I like that. I like it. Cool. Well, Rich, when you um, figure that out, let me know and I'll promote it on the social media so people can come watch you and people who are listening please go watch rich yeah please hang out watch vods whatever it is it's fun whatever whatever uh epic is giving you a free ten dollar voucher if you sign up for their promotional email list it lasts until november 15th so just a heads up i wanted to tell our fans because uh i think the money's nice Gave that to you last year for doing nothing. They did. But now they, they want you to sign up for their email. I mean, you could sign up for it, get the money, spend it, and then... And then unsubscribe. Un- yes, yeah. you could, but it's it's more steps than last year, which was... I mean... Which was zero. Yes. yes. No steps. Yes, but free money is still free money, so... 68% yes. of people said, free money! There you go. And then presumably punch their own face. And then uh, 32% of people said, gross, epic? Well, I mean, that's the point. If if gross epic is your point, you should probably sign up for their thing and take 10 of their dollars just because. Yeah, spite Stick them. Get a free man. game out of it. Yeah. Or at least yeah. closer to a free game. Fuck yeah. the old people. Yeah. And, and then go or, buy whatever will spend the closest to that amount without you having to give them any other money. Like, find something that's yeah, like I'm, plus tax, exactly nine ninety nine. You can always wait. Exist. Mm-hmm. You always wait until they have one of their sales, and then get a nice, decent indie game that we've recommended over the years for a cheap price, and then mm-hmm. there you go, get a free game. So yeah, I was just curious about that, and there I wanted go. to you know tell our fans, hey, you can get some free money. Minecraft had a huge update this past week. It was a massive update. Um, there's a con-, con for it, or a little uh, direct, I should say. Adding a whole new zone with new animals, Ooh. new resources, and new items. Uh, some of the new animals, I remember reading it, were, were frogs. It's going to be kind of a mangrove area. And you can see random ships just floating along the rivers with item chests on them. So, uh, I was curious. Do you still play Minecraft? 37% of people said, you know it. And 63% of people said, ah, I fell off. You know, I was kind of curious because they had this huge direct, and that really surprised oh, yeah. me. The game is 11 years old at this point, and I was like... Minecraft is still incredibly popular. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of my students still love it, but I, I didn't know if that was kind of like a local thing, a Japan thing, or if it was a world thing, that it was still popular. And lo and behold, it's still yeah. very, very popular. Yeah, 37, a, uh, you said? yes percent that's that's a lot considering it's 11 year old game um the, the last time i remember thinking i mean about i still minecraft, have it installed so i mean if that tells you anything so 
I think a lot of us have it installed by default. I think it just comes on your computer now. <laughs> um, but I mean, I still know people who play that, like, yeah. you know, dive back in pretty regularly. A good friend of mine, like, I dived in just to watch him put, like, those fucking, like, high dynamic lighting shaders on and stuff. Yeah. And he was like, hey, Rich, just watch. The He's streaming it to me on Discord. He's like, look at this water. Just look at the right. sunlight reflect off this water. And I'm like, so I've got fucking ray pretty. tracing on this bitch. I'm ray tracing the Minecraft. I'm like, <laughs> ooh, man, this looks pretty good. I think I'm about to play some Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> excuse me. There are more. <clears throat> <laughs> the sneeze went to my throat. Frau Brucker. No, I uh Gabagool. No, um I, I get inklings and hankerings for that game, but then it quickly dissipates. You know? Mm. I'll see a still shot of it and I'm like, man, I kinda miss that game. And Won't then like thirty seconds this? later I forget about it. But I, I mean like the times I had with that game are very memorable. I still think about my own area that I was building years and years ago, but yeah. yeah, good times. It's a very relaxing game. I mean, really, there's like there's nothing you have to, what we were talking about earlier. Nothing you have to worry about like human rights issues or social issues or like any deeper meaning. You just go in and build, man. Yeah, now that Notch is not getting money from you buying it at this point, it's it's all good. Granted, most of us probably bought it back room. when it did benefit him, but yeah. True. We supported his candy. Very true. Mm-hmm. Nintendo has released the pricing for the new tier of the Nintendo Switch Online plan. $50 for the upgraded individual plan, which you get the expansion pass of Nintendo 64, Sega Genesis, and the Animal Crossing um, expansion on that, or $80 for the family plan. I was curious, are you subscribing to the new plan? 30% of people said can't wait 70 percent of people said that's too steep for me obviously this doesn't explain why people feel it is too steep just that they feel it's too steep so i think i I think i may have discovered that back when i was suggesting people play something on an emulator earlier Um, (laughs) yeah i i just kind of look at this and i think there's a world where that price does make sense but i need to see kind of what this is because I feel like Nintendo's weirdly not being that transparent about it. Yeah. Um, like, I'd have this conversation with you guys privately a little bit. The, the addition of the Animal Crossing DLC is strange to me because That's it immediately so makes me... It makes me think, okay, is this like a platform where first-party expansions are going to be put on here for free if you subscribe to their online service? Because if that's the case and they're putting stuff out regularly, like if, you know, like a... I don't think this is going to happen, but let's just say, like, a Metroid Dread expansion came out or something. Like, mm-hmm. if they're putting stuff on here with enough of a tick, and that is what the platform is, and they continue to expand on the virtual console stuff and maybe add, like, Sega Saturn or something or Game Boy, and, like, then maybe that is worth it. But right now, it doesn't look worth it to me. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on it and see how this yeah. evolves and if it evolves, because I just feel like we're weirdly not getting a lot of details. I mean, that's heading into the same sort of price as the competitors' yeah. multiplayer pricing, which those are overpriced too, but we're forced into paying that bullshit for their online games. Um, I The do... difference is Nintendo gave us a taste of what it was like to get it at a price that was reasonable. Ex- yes, exactly. And they were providing a subpar service to begin with. 
yeah, frankly, at their, their price should be what we're paying for the others as well. Um, Agreed. But barring that, I, I, I'm... Yeah, I feel like we just don't know enough about it. It feels like the Animal Crossing thing was just a, well, everyone's going to want to buy that anyway. That's a huge seller for us. If we tack it onto this, maybe people will be like, oh, I was going to buy that anyway, and then just keep the subscription going forward. I'd say it's more of like an experimentation to see, like you guys are kind of talking about, if this model works to shuffle out further DLC for other games. Like, I think they're trying to test out which is more profitable. Because if that is the case and they are putting stuff out at a tick that makes that feel valuable, then I think, okay, maybe that is worthwhile, but it's a wait and see right now. Yeah. Like, it's how badly do I want to legally be able... How badly do I want to play the, Ocarina of Time on the toilet, which is actually pretty badly. I mean, again, emulating is a better way to do that, but I, the the upside of it is the ease of playing their multiplayer games. Like, we were talking about finally being able to play four-player Star Fox. Or if, playing if, Mario if, Kart 64 online is yes, an awesome prospect. Like the multiplayer aspect of those old N64 games is where, oh my god, like, Emulators have had the ability to do that, but it's always been a fucking nightmare to get it working. And if it's had to, like, possible, use something like Parsec to get around. Yeah, it, which, yeah. You know. So like, if if it's easy to play the multiplayer version of some of these old games, I feel like that's kind of where, at least to me, a lot of the value is. And I know that's a very, Agreed. you know, niche. You know, I don't. I don't side so. to it, but I don't think so because like I don't think it's niche, especially not for the N sixty four. Well, I mean, it's not just that, but I think they purposefully put a lot of their party games on there for that exact reason. Yeah, yeah, Might, their their opening lineup certainly does fit that idea. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the bigger issue there is the and Rich was touching upon this the subpar service, which hasn't gotten better. It's like, all right, let's add more things, but let's not fix the issues that most people have been talking about. And this is stuff we detailed when they first announced it, so we're not, I don't want to rehash too yeah. much, but until they fix yeah. their online service to be a more consistent, better um, well, situation where I don't their have Their online this service is just fine. Constantly. Like, their netcode from game to game is ridiculously sketchy. Their chat system is what is the problem yeah and for me and i even said this earlier like i don't really give that much of a shit about that stuff personally like i get why it's a problem but in my head mentally i was always playing for that uh nes and snes library like that was the thing i was giving them money for because i liked having that yeah yeah i mean i like, was the, the, the collecting play prices splatoon. are outlandish at this point for a lot of those games yeah like yeah i, w- I was pay- paying to play splatoon and then eventually you know smash brothers and a couple other things, because, like, uh, like again, like, Splatoon 2 works excellently. Like, so it's not their service that's just not working. It's, like, the the servers seem to be working fine. It seems like just the net code from one game to the next is a real crapshoot, and especially with a fighting game. Like, Smash that's Brothers fair. is... Smash Brothers is re- frustrating to play on their online, but I think that's... I know other fighting games have done it better. But yeah, I think that's way more of a netcode thing than a server thing. Um, and that that's yeah. fighting games are always challenging to 
to get the netcode working properly just because they're so immediate. Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, like, I'm sure I'm remembering this with uh, rose tinted glasses, but I, ne- I don't ever remember having that much latency issues with something like Soul Calibur 4 back in the 360 era. I'm sure, like, again, I'm thinking of it more positively now, but I, d- I don't remember having that much issues where it's like every time I try and play a Smash game online, I'm getting some level of lag. I mean, possibly. Part of that's probably going to... Again, I think it's a netcode thing because I seem to get matched with people from all over the world on Nintendo games. Um, yeah. I, I notice this a lot, especially playing Splatoon because that's way more popular in Japan. You just you get matched against Japanese players constantly. Um, yes. But their netcode works well enough that it doesn't matter. Um, whenever that happens when I'm playing Smash Brothers, it's not good. It is not a good situation at all. Um, and they, they, I think they really need to do some work either on the netcode itself or on making sure that matchmaking happens on a much more local scale than currently. Um, Mm. so like they need to do one of those two things to make it more reliable. Um, or at least more uniform. Like if, I mean, they're a big studio, if they're having a game like smash, come onto their system, then they need to provide the resources to make sure it's playable enough and that net code is functioning yeah. well enough to do that. I yeah. mean, they're a big enough studio, they, they make enough money to where that shouldn't be the case. And if they're going to be charging money for an online service and giving you access to play some of the biggest games in their library online, then the net code should be a part of that consideration, I yeah. feel. I understand they're two separate issues, yeah. but I still th- feel like they're connected in enough connected enough to where they should be considered simultaneously yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know i think a big part of it is the matchmaking because i i feel like they're worried about queue times because this is such a casual system i think is their mentality that oh people just want to instantly get in and play something and the best way to do that is to have the largest pool of players to play against which is not the best way to get the, a match that feels the best because right. uh, like I've had tons of luck playing Smash Brothers against friends, just starting our own lobby and playing in there. Feels great. Like it like their netcode is not perfect, but it's pretty solid. Um but like that's whenever I'm able to pick that I'm playing against somebody who I know has decent internet at that point. Um So anyway, anyway there, yeah, there are problems, but I think a lot of it has less to do with how their service works as a whole and more about their mentality of, you know, just making things so, like, more worried about the casual side of it than about somebody who actually cares about any competitive level of stuff. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, they. <clears throat> yeah, they have some kinks to work out, but I yeah, I just I can't mm-hmm. see myself paying $50 a year for this. And I understand people are like that's less than a cup of coffee a month. And that's fine. Justify the money how you want. If you want to pay for it, pay for it. I don't think it's worth it for me. Yeah. At this time. No, no, it's it's <clears throat> not worth that, but again, that's 
that's kind of where I was getting at the whole, I think there are a ton of people who are instantly going to want that Animal Crossing DLC, and they're thinking of it as, well, that was probably going to be 20 bucks anyway, so this is only 30 bucks a year. Um, you can buy that separately. You can. Um, you absolutely can. Actually, I've not looked at the pricing of it separately. Have you? It's twenty five dollars. Twenty five. It's more than I was more than I was thinking even. Um, and I th- I think that was their their thought there. Like we're gonna we're gonna get people in the door, and hopefully they will just stick around uh, with that DLC because that is just a huge seller for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be a a big and a interesting marketing. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? An experiment. That's what I'm trying to say. A marketing experiment. So, yes. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yep. Next poll is uh, interesting. I found a picture and I found a, a story on Twitter on this of all places. I had no idea that Forza, which is how most of us have been pronouncing it, was pronounced a different way. So what are you going to call it now? Uh, obviously most people call it Forza, but the company released a statement that is actually pronounced Forza, which just another reason why the English language is fucking annoying. Granted, it's not this, in English. This is the Italian language. Yes, I was going to say. That you have the, issue with this time. Y- yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say this is an issue with English always trying to just co-opt words and not doing the research on how things are actually properly yes supposed we do this to be a lot pronounced. most of, most of our things... loan words are are unholy abominations of the I mean, of the original word the the japanese this is people insane. do it too it's but... a free for all like check in at an italian airport mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so 43% of people said i'm still pronouncing it forza Mm. And fifty. They wanted to call, us to call it Forza. They would have put an extra Z in there, so we knew it was like pizza. Yeah, exactly. Pizza. Actually, <laughs> that's how Japanese pronounce it. Uh, Rich is pizza. Mm. And then, of course, it's we pronounce pizza. And I go, it's pronounced pita. <laughs> Anybody want a pizza? Anyways, um, pizza time. So fifty-seven percent of people said Forza. Which is kind of encouraging, actually, in some ways. Yeah. That means people people aren't stuck in their ways about um, certain words and learning yeah. new ways to call certain things. I am I'm I am pro Forza on this one because I think we absolutely one hundred percent take away Christopher Columbus from from being a thing from the Italians, and then we give them back Forza. I think that's I think that's a an, an exchange I'm trade. willing to make. That's a fair trade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do they even want him at this point? Like, congratulations, your greatest explorer is a guy who got lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, not only got lost, but uh, raped, brought yeah. disease, committed genocide. Yeah, you know. who who got sent here just because the Spanish were tired of dealing with him? It's like let's just fucking give him the money so he fucking leaves. Yeah, and also he was never here. He landed in the Bahamas. Yeah, if only. Okay. Few more polls here. Apps such as Duolingo have been mirroring the pay-to-win and addictive elements of mobile gaming in order to capture users. This references a topic we did very recently. So I just if you're interested in that, go check out that full episode. But I said, is this behavior bothersome? Eighteen percent of people, unsurprisingly, said, "Oh, they got to make money." 
and eighty-two percent uh, of people said that's nasty, girl. So, yeah, it's something like I've been really noticing, in, because I'm about to hit uh, my first year streak on Ooh. that app, which I'm very excited for. But the apps have just, or the app has just gotten worse and worse about the advertisement, advertising yeah. where sometimes it completely locks my screen in an ad, and I can't yep. get out. Of it. Which I think that's bullshit, absolute bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that some of these apps have that much control over my phone. Granted, that's up to me to regulate what uh, permissions I give to these apps. But then it's like I'm locked in a 15-second advertisement, which, yes, I'm using their services for free, and I understand that. But to be honest with you, and I'm sure I'm in the minority here, so I'm acknowledging that. I know a little bit how business works. If they weren't as aggressive on the... On the um advertisements i probably would have paid for the premium at this point because i've been using it so much and it's been actually really helpful for me learning japanese that i would have been much more apt to throw them money but at this point with their more and more aggressive services and them very much making it pay to win i'll never give them money now yep ever yeah there are uh i mean the the whole spaced repetition systems are great, but there are lots of free ones out there. Um, unfortunately, not not as much on the phone market, which is kind of the issue because phones are infinitely more accessible than computers at this point. The owl scares me, Josh. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I I I dropped Duolingo a while ago because of because of this um understandable i'm i'm almost getting to that point but the thing is like it makes it really useful they introduce this kind of like quiz function to where you have mm-hmm. two minutes um to try and you know recall as much as you can which is really nice and yes. there are apps that you can do that with that you can just program that but the nice convenient thing with Duolingo obviously is that it's already pre-programmed, so you don't have to go out of your way to make all this stuff. So I'm, I'm conflicted. Like in one part, I would want to pay for Duolingo, but the, and Duolingo isn't the only one. I want to make that clear right now. Duolingo is definitely not the only uh, app who's doing this right now. It's the one that's um, I'm most familiar with because I'm using it, obviously as much as I am, but. Yeah, I I really don't like that other apps are really starting to get into that ele- that element where it's applicable of using addictive um elements to try and get people to spend more money. I'm super good at addiction. <laughs> I'm so addicted. I only Just the have best. Like I'm the most addicted. I'm the world's most addicted guy. Anyways, so mm-hmm. enough rambling aside. That that one's kind of a more personal one, but I figured it was kind of relevant since we just talked about it a few weeks ago. It's a fun story because yeah. I've literally been using Duolingo for two days. Oh, only two days? Yeah, I literally just started using it. Oh, that's so awesome. Funny. What language are you learning right now? Um, I am brushing up on Japanese like I always wanted to do. Good um, man. If you need any tips, let me know. 
I'm just getting started, so I'm sure I will have questions for you at some point. Yeah, yeah. And Josh obviously is somewhat familiar as well. Like he's better at more of like the kanji, and I think he's be- a little bit better. At yeah, I think I'm typing. at like JPL two at kanji, but I can barely speak, which is stupid. Gotcha. It's beyond fucking stupid. But I kind of, I did the basically the but same thing. I think with I Spanish can easily understand how there. that can happen. We're like, I can drive yeah. around reading everything, walk around through the town. Then someone says hi, and I'm like, no hablo espanol. <laughs> <laughs> no, Do you want to communicate no, in this notebook? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'm better at the speaking and listening portion than I, I think Josh would be at this point. But Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'd, at this point. I would hope yeah. so, living here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you would, you, one would think. Yeah. If you have any questions, you can ask either of us. But yeah, that's exciting, man. I hope that you stick with it. I love yeah. ads. Yeah, the ads are bad, man. They they, they were not this like, bad. Like I will ago. I will say like just briefly, you were talking about the features of this app that like are beneficial. Like I think one of the more beneficial things is like the way Duolingo will construct quizzes for you that are like I built you a quiz based off things you've consistently been getting wrong. Yes, I yes. love that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope Duolingo kind of cuts back on the ads a little bit, and that will actually prompt me to want to pay for its service at some point it's not crazy expensive either but like i I get like the being put off by the ads and making that not want to have you spend money yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's been pretty egregious um uh kind of a funny random thing here there's a food service called dd food i don't think you guys have it in the states um it's similar to um uber eats and there's also one called food panda and anyway, so when I'm watching YouTube videos, those are the ads I get 95% of the time. The DD food um, music is like, do, 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 do. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. I'm going <laughs> to blow my brains out. You know, and then on top of that, I go to Duolingo and then I get those same ads for that. And I'm like, I will never, ever order from DD food or Food Panda for the rest of my life. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, Josh also also mentioned a really good site, WaniKani. That is another decent. I service really well. like it, but it's not it's not a free thing like Duolingo. No. Like it's 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 a there's no free version. Yeah, it's yeah, it's more on the expensive side as far as tools go. But I really like the way they 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 handle their their vocab. Yeah, there's some good services. I've kind of explored some of them, and I figured Duolingo is best for. Me for not wanting to spend a lot of money. Yes. Um, and not taking it as seriously, which I'm starting to take it more seriously now. I've been buying textbooks and stuff now, actually. I'm and already- I may, di- I've recommended these before. I may dive back into them when the time is right. Um, there's a series of language learning RPGs on Steam. Uh, yes. That are all pretty good. Yeah, I do. Speaking of which, and out. I can't remember the name of it, so hopefully someone can, hopefully one of you has heard of it, but there is essentially a mind palace language learning um game that i have used for japanese and i cannot remember the fucking name of it right now no idea but it's a it's not just for japanese it's the game but then you can buy a bunch of different language packs as dlc for it that's dope um but it's essentially it is an apartment and all the different objects you can see in it have vocab for it so it's it's the idea is that you can be able to go back to this game area as like a mind palace and think 
okay, this item's called that. I remember because, you know, I've, I've seen it so many times in the game. Um, mm. And I'm fucking, mm. what is the name of that game? Um, I do not know. It's in my Steam library, and I've got too many well, things to find right now. I, mean, I need to find well, it. I'll, I'll, while I'll, you're I'll looking find that it up, by the end of the thing. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I'll move on to the next poll. Um, it's a pretty easy one. It's one of those uh, little slider questions. I said, Solar Ash was delayed until December 2nd. A sad day indeed. How interested are you in this game? And it really bummed me out to see it's at about 50% that um, not enough people are excited for this game, I feel, because Hyperlight Drifter was such an amazing game that um, I had hoped more people would be interested in this game. Are you, are you guys still pretty excited about it? Oh, hell yeah. I'm glad yeah, it's yeah. to December. There's too many fucking games. <laughs> I don't I know when I would have had too. time for it. Yeah. Currently, yeah, I thought I was going to be day. ready for it at the end of October, and I'm like, no, thank God. It's still sad, but, you know. Gives us another month to hype it up. Get more they delayed interested. the uh, Advance Wars uh, Switch port to next year, which thank also thank God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, Rich, I thought I did a I did a poll on Grand Theft Auto, but I think that was last week actually when it was rumored to be seventy dollars. Oh yeah, you're correct. Yeah, that it was last week. We'll um, we'll talk we'll talk about that after this this last poll that I did for sure because I do want to talk about that for a few minutes. So it'll just be kind of like a random little news segment. But the last poll I did was, would you, as in the poller or pollie rather? Be interested in us writing personal top games from insert console articles in the site. And I meant on the site, but I made a typo, of course. 89% of people said, color me intrigued. And 11% of people said, I don't like reading. Which, fair. I'm not going to fault you for that. But yeah, I, um, it's something that I was talking about with Rich um, privately. Is I think we should start making these kind of lists that cue people into our personal, each one of us, our personal uh, top games from each console because obviously, like we talked about, we have been playing video games for so long and we have very um, different opinions on each console and each what games are good on each console. So I think that would be a, a kind of cool insight and for you guys to be able to... S- like say I agree I, or I disagree or be like oh wow I actually never heard of this game and it sounds awesome I want to check it out I think it'd be a really cool series for us to do yeah it, uh, just listen if you ask me to do listicles don't expect me to not get really stupid with it like next week you'll be forced to read top five onions in video games I mean yeah. there's nothing wrong with that number five onion Skyrim <laughs> Number four, Onion, Cuphead. Number coming in at number one, Chop Chop Master Onion, Parappa the Rap. I found it. Okay, what What's is it called? It's Influent, and uh, uh... also I noticed uh, with with COVID going on last year, they had a deal where they had uh, French, Italian, and Korean as free so if you're interested in learning any of those languages you can actually get a free version of it um that still 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 they permanently made those three languages free so you can you can if you are interested in learning those languages which which i may do even though i own it because i really want to learn more korean because i know very little 
Yeah, um, that's wild. I'm looking at that now. I'm going to add six, that to my library. In six months, Josh is going to watch Squid Game without subtitles. Mm-hmm. And then from there, basically, there's a shit ton of languages on here all there priced are, at yes. about, ten, about at like $10 a piece. Yes, yeah, and I, I have really liked that. It is, it is limited because, again, it's kind of, it's, it's set to things that are in here. And, and they also have verbs that are associated with said items. Um, sure. You know, like sink will have, you know, the sink and then wash and like other, other things, things along those lines. But it's, it's still kind of meant to it's be a just jumping a, on point, yes. but it's still like it is practical language. And it, that's and again, great. It's things around the house are just top usage as far as individual words are uh, yeah. in any given language. So it is some of the most useful vocab you'll get right off the bat. Um, yep. So yeah. I, you know, I, for years, Josh, we've been nerding out about language on this podcast, mm-hmm. and we've never had a reason to tie it to video games oh, yes. until today. Oh, yes. <laughs> today is the day. So... Anyways, the last thing we're going to talk about, because uh, I said we talk about it for a few minutes, is the $60 pricing for the GTA trilogy, which, yeah, yeah what shit. the they hell? Out. What the hell, man? Like, that, that trilogy was available on the PS4. Um, they're doing a slight graphical increase, which, from what I've seen, I actually granted, really I like the work they've done to it. I think it looks really good. It's got, like, it feels really stylistic. Yes. Um, in terms of updating those textures and stuff. Yes. I just don't think it's worth sixty dollars. I think they're probably worth like ten a piece. You can maybe justify twenty for San Andreas, but also San Andreas is going to be on Game Pass, and that's kind of the only one I really want to play well, anyway. I, I still think twenty dollars would be a decent price for that. But my biggest issue, and we were talking about this a little bit in our Discord and a little bit amongst ourselves, is I don't think three or Vice City. There's really anything from either of those games that you couldn't realistically do in Grand Theft Auto V. Um, I, and uh, San Andreas is, like you said, the only one that I think that yeah. really kind of stands out. I think that's the that only trilogy. one worth playing all the way through at this point. I feel like yeah. at this point, you play three because, oh, this was influential. Very so, influential. So you give it an hour and then you're fucking done with it. They're um, important games. Like Grand Theft Auto Three is important because it's the first Grand Theft Auto game that mattered. Because Grand Theft Auto One and Two are terrible fucking games. Yeah, they're they're top down. There have been a few like indie games based on those recently, or yeah, I say recently, um, like, like five ten years ago at this point. Because yeah. there, there's actually a game that came out very recently that I can't remember the name of that people were calling Grand Theft Horse. Um, <laughs> that was like a medieval set. Uh, Grand Theft Auto One and Two clone. Hmm. Yeah, I the thing I think about Grand Theft Auto Three and Vice City and even San Andreas to some point is granted those games were called Rustler at the time and they were incredible at the time, but they're gonna be barren. I don't think they were incredible at the time, but like I understand why people liked them back then. I just well, I've I've always hated those games. They're just not not necessarily incredible. Grand Theft Auto Three in particular is important because a lot of things cribbed from what that was doing. Oh, like, yes, that level of open world and stuff. But Grand Theft Auto 3 is the most bare bones version of it. It's super important because it's been iterated on to death. Yes. But it is, it's 
stripping back to as basic as an open world can get, and it's going to feel really lackluster now. Yeah. Um, I know they're making yeah. some modernizing changes with it as well and everything, but unless they are making the feel more modern in terms of the city being more alive and vibrant and less barren, yeah, I, I can't see paying any more than $10 at most for that game. And to be honest with you, I've never once felt compelled to go back to any of those it's, games. And I, it's yeah. fair. I mean, like, like we've talked about countless times, nostalgia is a money seller. And I know yeah. that doesn't make any sense. A seller. I'd and buy it's a money. money. <laughs> I sell Wait, money. are you selling money? I'll take some. <laughs> I sell all of the money. But no. Um, I'd buy a dollar for a dollar. Yeah, why not? It's, it's going to make them money. But I just, <laughs> like, like Rich was talking about with Resident Evil 4 VR. That's a reason to really, um, yeah, that put new new effort in a game. Even Saga Frontier, as much like shit as I know I've gotten for that, they included a new story in that, and they yes. they really modernized that in terms of a lot of the way g- the game plays. And it's a game that hasn't they really fixed been some of the most broken stuff years, about it, except on an old console. Yeah. Like those kind of situations make sense. Mm-hmm. This game was available on the last gen. It's getting a little bit of quality of life improvements and a little bit of graphical improvement and that's it. And $60 yes. is not justifiable. And like I know that we were even talking Absolutely about like not. the yeah. The Mario trilo- trilogy that or the collection that just recently dropped. I mean, Don't you, you could say a damn thing about Mario. <laughs> look, you can make the case for 64 um Mario 64 not necessarily being worth it on the list. The other two definitely are. Oh, I insisted on giving them $120 for it. <laughs> it's like, sir, uh, take my money. This Best Buy employee was really confused. I just, I think those games, for example, if we're talk, like doing a comparison, those games hold up much Oh, yeah, better. yeah, no. Like, games oh, that are built on of- mechanics like that are always going to hold up better than, I mean, they're, they're, <sighs> you're going back to play a satirical game about the early aughts. What the fuck is relevant about that anymore? sadly too much but (laughs) it's still like it's 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 a historic the game should be in a library this collection should be in a library it belongs in a museum yeah uh these games are very important i just don't consider game pass a museum san andreas is yeah way there yeah i just don't think they're gonna hold up that particularly well like i don't have a starch desire to uh, replay Grand Theft Auto 3 we jokingly said in our private WhatsApp uh, earlier like talking about like that's probably something that will get tackled at, on chomping at the bits at some point I'm not particularly looking forward to having to put a significant amount of time into GTA 3 to play to do yeah. that episode but I the, will the um, thing is if they were charging $40 or e- hope I think if it, if they did I would be actually very thankful $30 I would actually be looking at it a little bit more and be like yeah. oh, maybe I'd be way more interested pick it up. in like a $15 a piece thing, which, hey, yeah. that's more expensive than you're even saying. But like, but here's the thing. Can you buy them piecemeal? Because just San Andreas is coming to Game Pass. Are you going to be able to buy them piecemeal? I, and what's that pricing structure look like? My guess is I within a year, they'll eventually do that. Is they'll, they'll break the game up into its constituent parts for these storefronts. But, but also the idea that it, just San Andreas is coming to Game Pass makes me feel like it maybe day one it's going to be broken up digitally 
I'd be more interested Our, in that, just, honestly, because I think that's... Maybe they just worked out a deal. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm oh, sure, so like an, I'm sure they have... First taste is free. Yes, yeah. I, I'm sure they have the ability to do that. There's no way they coded themselves, like, into a corner where that's not an option. But, as far as whether they're willing to do that, I, I, I think it might be something they do later on. Right. I think I said this last week, too, but I will mention it because I do think this is great if they have done this. There have been heavy implications from the devs that, spurring the years of rumors, they have, in fact, actually put Sasquatch in San Andreas. That's so yeah, funny. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. That's we'll so funny. Happens. That would be great we'll if, they, if they did that after all this time. What's that one glitch in San Andreas that got the devs in a lot of shit for having a depicted sex scene in the game? It wasn't a glitch. That was a mod, the hot coffee thing. Yeah, the hot coffee thing. If they it put wasn't that a... in the game, I'll be curious. There, there was like a, a thing where you could pull up and the car shakes or whatever and makes, like, it's implied. It's mm-hmm. really the furthest thing from a big deal. And then people modded in like an actual sex scene. Oh, okay. And somehow that became a scandal and yeah. was talked about on the news. Be like, you understand, like, Rockstar didn't make this, right? Just yeah. some dude this, in a fucking basement somewhere. This didn't. is fanfic. Why why are you mad at fanfic? Th- this I mean, news. I understand being it's, mad at fanfic. Everyone Josh, should be mad at fanfic. Josh, but not for this pr- reason. It's pronounced fanfuck, not fanfic. Hmm. Please get it right. Please stay off of my blog. It makes no sense to make that distinction. Please stick around literally all 30 minutes is, is, is fucking. As I read... Uh, Mighty Ducks entries from fanfic.net. Nope. <laughs> We're going to end the show instead. We're going to end the show instead. Actually. Emilio gripped him. <laughs> he was tender. And well, cold. Thank you so much for. Like ice. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I want to say thank you to. Thank you to Rich. Thank you to Josh for being here. Um, thank you for you, the listener. I want to say a quick few closing Forgot statements. Forgot my um, If you liked what you heard, like and subscribe Sorry. anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, if you want more content from us, head to swordchomp.com. We can check out our other podcasts. We have three other podcasts up there and available. We have articles that we write, both reviews and then other things surrounding gaming in general. You will be able to access our merch store, which you can get some nice threads get yourself nice looking party ducks fly together he whispered sensually shut the fuck up (laughs) i'm doing our fucking ad stuff shut up i'm trying to provide content (laughs) go do that on OnlyFans. i'm not allowed to have one anymore yeah, well, that's what happens when no one pays for your shit. Anyways. We were told we're not allowed to comment on women's appearances anymore. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and you can access our Patreon, um, which uh, you get benefits for supporting us financially. And in turn, you make the show better, um, which we very much appreciate all the money we make. We put right back into the show. So if you're interested in that, head over there and you will find out more information. But um, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I want to say thank you guys again. We love you. Stay safe. Be well. And take care. Ducks fly together. Ducks are going to eat my ass.